episode 204. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Drop by the cool kids. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean, erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. You're listening to the only podcast with the boss to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, five four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Come on. Get with it, Jake. What did I do wrong that time? I don't know. It's more like, and we're the leftovers. Now I feel like I'm fucking pig fucker in and private parts. Leftovers. Remember yeah. private parts? Yeah. Yeah. WNBC. I'm trying to get you to my WNBC, <laughs> and you're not quite there. You're like, you're like, and we're the leftovers. Like I want, and we're the leftovers. A little bit more showmanship, and you're just kind of right. like, can we can One we do time. this? Can we yeah. Again? Yeah. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. Lef- Fuck you. You <laughs> asshole. Go to hell. All right. <laughs> no Frank this week, uh, but we are joined by a very special guest from, I don't know, the animated Batcast. What else are you doing? What You got a Star Trek going on now? What, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I do. I have, uh, we actually had to just change the name of it. It is We Come in Peace to Live Long and Discover. Could you make, could you have made that any longer? I know. I know. It's that some other Star Trek geeks got to the name at the same time we did. Really? It's a long story. Now you should well, have so added. What's the new name? Uh, we come in peace, live okay. long and discover. And then colon uh, dawn of justice, right? <laughs> colon dawn of justice. Colon, uh, we'll we'll just keep adding names to it until it reaches like I don't know twenty five lines of dialogue. I suppose there was you half go. of that name the podcast that was already taken. So yeah, originally it was. Don't say it. Lo- don't don't tell us which half. Well, I mean, screw <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was like being all clever with my, you know, live long and prosper twist, but you know, the other Star Trek geeks were pretty clever too and they used the same twist and so but it is a discovery <laughs> recap show. That's that's who we are. You should have called it Vulcan Neck Podcast. <laughs> Vulcan Neck Podcast. That's actually that's very good. We should have changed <laughs> it to that Vulcan Neck Podcast. Yeah, uh, we should edit that part out. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Rebecca Daling's here. Um. <laughs> we never, did we never say her name? No. No, you didn't. That's fine. No. Since you said Star Trek, everyone knew who the hell I was. So are you, are you doing – are you officially doing two Star Trek podcasts now? Um. Well, Trek Talk is on bumpers. Yeah. So I guess I am doing two, yeah. Um, the, the, the Discovery one is with Paul, uh, and we do that like regularly through iTunes. And right. 
Trek Talk is, is, is on bumpers. Okay. And then Animated Batcast, you're doing that as well. Animated Batcast, yeah, that is also on bumpers. That's that's going strong. We just, uh, we've passed 10 episodes. We were pretty proud of ourselves. We got past 10. Uh, not an easy feat, I know. And, uh, yeah, we just recorded our, our Two-Face episode. That was a lot of fun. We had on uh, Steve from Cinecast and Jared from uh, Joe Schmoke Comic Show. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was actually, I, uh. Me and you were both on Scenic Cast, the watch list this week. We were very unexpectedly, yeah. yes, we were. <laughs> I was I was I, I saw like in post on Facebook, like anybody want to join us or you know, we had somebody dropped out and I was driving. I was like, eh, fuck it, I'll call him. So I, got, <laughs> I was on there. <laughs> so I was on there, I was on the episode. Just I was driving on Skype. Yeah. That's neat. But, yeah, I um I, I I opened up my computer and I saw I had a missed call. So I, I messaged Steve. I was like, oh, like, what's up? Did you need something? He's like, oh, yeah, we're doing a podcast. You want to join? I was like, if you need somebody, sure. And next thing I know, I was on. So that was, that was pretty nice. Well, I'm glad you could join us this week. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Discovery, uh, which uh, had the uh, premiere episode or episodes last week. So we're going to be talking about that with you because you're a big fan of uh, Star Trek. And I thought it would be fitting to have you on this episode but uh, first, we're going to jump into some iTunes reviews. How about that? All right. Yeah. Some iTunes reviews. Here is the bumper. First iTunes review comes from Soggy Muffins. I don't recommend that. Soggy Muffins. You don't like your. Uh, you don't like a little bit of. Uh, I, I like the the middle of my muffins undercooked a little bit. Mm, in the no, middle. I'm not into that, and I don't really like to dip them either. I don't. Who dips their muffins? I don't know. Don't people dip muffins into like coffee or chocolate or whatever the fuck? Do they really? I don't do that. That's not like a ritual I have with muffins. What are, you, what are you doing with your muffins, Rebecca? I just eat them. <laughs> I don't do anything <laughs> special with them. I think you're thinking of donuts more. Like, people like to dunk donuts into coffee. I've seen that. Right. I just, I'm just i trying to figure out how you get it soggy in the first place well, without so- dipping it into something. Oh, you, like, undercook it a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. You, see, you, know, you go to the – you take a shower and you have it waiting for you in the bathroom <laughs> for when you get done, you know? Get out of the yeah. shower. It's – you know, a little bit of that uh, precipitation that builds up that, uh, you know, gets in the muffin. I don't know. What the fuck? Are, soggy muffins. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I, I do like mine, and I know you hate this word, Rebecca. I like mine a little moist on the inside. No, don't say it. Yeah, <laughs> moist. That's a, that's a trigger? Trigger word for her? I hate that word. Why? why? When it comes, no, when it comes to pastries, why is it, no, like, when you're talking about other things, it's fucking gross. But, like, if you, if I, if I see, like, uh, Betty Crocker bullshit, and it says moist and delicious, that, yeah, that, I like that. That's good. I don't yeah, like I, that word sounds at all in any context. Ah, uh, with cake, it's, it's great. <laughs> who wants, who wants dry cake? I agree. I think it works great with with food in general. If I hear some, oh, this chicken is moist and tender and delicious. Like I'm, I don't react to the word moist there. Oh God, stop saying that word. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is bizarre. 
<laughs> I just I'm not the only one. There's people who do not like that word. Yeah. It's it's an it's a made up affliction. Get over it. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Get over your problem. <laughs> so this uh, iTunes review comes from Soggy Muffins. Oh, that and, again. Yeah. It's titled "Who Cares?" question mark. Mm. And uh, it reads, "I do." And it's a five star. <laughs> <laughs> what a twist! I know. <gasps> wow. Soggy Muffins, regular M night there. Yeah. Uh, next one is uh, comes from uh, Hannah Bell eighty nine, and it's titled "Obsessed." This podcast will make you ditch every other podcast you listen to. The host's passion for movies and comics is so contagious. They have the perfect recipe of profanity, comedy, and heart. This podcast is moist and delicious. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> I, I'm just reading the iTunes it review. It does not say that. It, it does, does not. It does, too. She said they have the perfect recipe of profanity, comedy, and heart, and that part of that recipe is us being moist and delicious. Oh, man. Does it really say that? Yeah. I would more say moist, though. If Just me, if I had to. Uh, am I, Rebecca, am I pissing you off? Like, really? <laughs> is it really? No, like, I'm just grossed out. <laughs> It's therapy. I can you out. I can understand if, like, you know, like if you were if somebody was using that term, like a weatherman. Oh, it's going to be a moist one today. You know, like that. With that, yeah, I, I, maybe it doesn't work in that context. Or like, even if, like, uh, like a, a doctor. Yeah, that wound's looking a little moist. <laughs> no, that's bad. Yeah, that, that's bad. Yeah. Right. I, when I when I poked that carcass with a stick, it was moist. <laughs> yeah, it was still moist. No, it's like, but when you're talking about like pastries and cakes and desserts and stuff like that, I think it's a wonderful term. <laughs> right there on the fucking box for everybody to read. Like we're, I, right now I'm reading iTunes reviews for the listeners and they're talking about us being the perfect recipe and blah, 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 blah. Like if I'm reading the box for like a Betty Crocker or whatever the hell, uh, Duncan Hines, I want my cake. I want it to say on the box, moist and delicious. <laughs> That's the perfect iTunes reviews for for pastry and for cakes and desserts, right? I, I think she hung up. I no, think no, she's, I'm still here. Yeah, she's, she, are you just blocking me out? Is that what's going on? No, I am not. Mm. Yeah. All right. Ah, here we go. Final iTunes review for the week, Jake. I sent this one to you early, man. Did you? I don't think I saw it. I sent it to you and Frank. You didn't read this one. Oh, maybe not. Maybe I, not. I wanted to give you some time to think about this one. Jake Frank responded to it. Uh, maybe, it'll, maybe it'll come back. To it's me. a two-star review. And it's titled, Where's the Star Trek Talk? Oh, I do remember this one. <laughs> you do remember this one? I do I do remember. I apologize. All right. Let me go ahead. It's been it a long week. All right. It's from Trekkie1981. It's a two-star review. Decent show, guys. But where's the Star Trek Talk? Unless I missed it, I didn't hear you guys discuss the new series at all. I was looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. You cover the Porgs topic thoroughly, but nothing on Discovery. More Trek talk, please. So, number one, we got this guy or uh, gal making demands, Jake. I don't like that, number one, telling me what to do on my fucking show. I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's messed up. What's the name of the reviewer again? Trekkie1981. 
Trekkie 1981. Yeah. Yeah. We, he, he actually did miss the Star Trek talk. Um, we have a special filter that makes it so assholes can't hear when we review certain things. Yeah. You know, so. well, hold on. Hold on. Hey, Jake, what night did Star Trek Discovery premiere? Sunday night, I believe. At what? 7.30 Central. Yeah. Or 7 Central. What time did we record? Uh, I believe we started at 6 Central last week. It was pretty late. But what day was it on? Sunday. The very same day. So yeah. what did we plan on doing? <laughs> well, I actually watched about 15 minutes of it during one of our breaks. Well, you didn't have to admit that. All I'm saying is like yeah. – all I'm saying is like we – we uh, we had all of our content for the whole week. I'm not going to stop the recording and watch Star Trek Discovery on the same night and then come back and discuss it when I haven't even had time to like really think about it. Like, no, 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 exactly. We're not a we're not a Star Trek podcast. As long as we cover it within a week of it premiering, we've done our jobs. We're, that's as diligent as as we're going to get. That's the way we've always done it. Even like with The Walking Dead, I think maybe one time me and Frank watched it the night of and then talked about it. But every other time, it's been the week after. Same thing with Game of Thrones. We've always done it that way. So yeah, exactly. You know, go. You know what? Just knock it down to one star and don't listen anymore. Because I honestly, if it wasn't a problem with this, it'd be a problem with something else. You're, you're just one of those people that have a problem with every little fucking thing. I bet you've got Yelp. I bet you're known on Yelp for having one star and two star reviews, <laughs> bitching about something all the fucking time. You've always got something stuck up your fucking craw, and you're always pissed off about something. Uh, you know, that's a th- just don't listen. Uh, part of me didn't even want to talk about Star Trek Discovery this week, Jake, because of this just, fucking review. Just to spite this person. Just to spite this asshole. <laughs> I honestly, Jake, I wanted to – I don't want this person listening so much. I wanted to sprinkle, you know, Trekkie 1981 as a cunt just throughout this entire episode. Just like – just say that sentence. Just sprinkle it throughout the episode so that if they kept on listening to hear our thoughts on it – Every once in a while, they'd hit like a little, uh, little speed bump of, "Hey, I'm a oh, a reminder that I'm a cunt," you know. Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm down. I, I can just see next week. Now we're gonna have Larry David 420. Oh, I listened to this podcast yeah. and they never even talked about Kirby enthusiasm <laughs> here. Fuck, fuck this shit. No, God. <laughs> Give us a fucking week, asshole. Jeez. It's like, man, I can't. The minute we wrap, I'm going to be watching the premiere of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Knock it like, down. Fuck. Yeah, exactly. As soon as we're done, I'm watching Curb. I'm watching Curb. Knock it down to a one-star Trekkie and just don't listen anymore. I don't I don't want, you know, if if that's the kind of thing that's going to set this person, I don't want you to listen. Because if we, if we satisfy you with our Star Trek discussion, and honestly, we wouldn't, Jake. Can you really think that this person, after that fucking bullshit, it. Once we do talk about Star Trek Discovery, do you think they're going to be satisfied with our discussion? Do you think? No, I imagine, you, I imagine anyone that has Star Trek references in their iTunes username will never be satisfied with anything no, we have to say on the subject. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> just turn it off now. We already we already don't like you. So, you know, yeah. just just turn it off now. Don't who cares about our thoughts? Like why I don't care what people don't think, you know, like people don't like me. I don't care what their thoughts are. So just just what turn the, it off now. What the fuck, too? It's like it's not like it's this like topic that's hard to find a podcast talking about. Oh, oh it's this you know, yeah, really rare topic. Yeah. There's no one out there is talking about Star Trek in podcast form. Yeah. It's like probably one of like the top ten most talked about entertainment shows in podcast form. Yeah, there, it's like there go are away. Tons, 
there are tons of podcasts dedicated just to Trek. So yeah, yeah if you if you want a Star Trek podcast, then go listen to a Star Trek podcast. Oh, That's what I do, Rebecca? When I want to hear Trek, I listen to Trek podcast. I guarantee you, I guarantee this asshole is going to be on uh, iTunes giving your show a review now. Oh, I'm quite sure. Yeah, I'm quite sure. Actually, we got um, on. On Animated Batcast, um, we got a review that told uh, Paul that he should ditch the chick on the show. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Other than that, it's a great show. So, yeah, that was great. Yeah, you know, you're going to have haters, you know? Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever. Who cares? Jeez. All right, Trekkie 1981. Yeah, th- uh, yeah, Jake, you make a great point. There's, there's like so many Star Trek podcasts out there. Go to the top 200 in TV and film, and I guarantee it. There's probably at least every like Monday after a new Star Trek episode comes out, there's like five, six, seven, eight of them up there. I mean, listen to one of those. Decent show, guys, but where's the Star Trek talk? You guys talked about porch for a fucking half an hour. Where's my Star Trek? Jesus. Yeah, he, he exaggerated too. Did we, did we really talk about Porgs for no, half an hour? No, at the end of the episode. Now, I, I made that half an hour shit up. But well, yeah, he said that we talked about Porgs for a decent amount of time, but no Star Trek talk. We fucking recorded on the same day it dropped, asshole. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, that's ruthless. Nothing's, people are ruthless. Nothing's ever good enough for anybody. You've always. I can't stand fucking people like that, Jake. I can't stand people like that. <laughs> it's ruthless. I want to know what day he did that review. Like, was it like Tuesday? Hold on. Let me, I'll, I'll, let me pull up the date. What day? Because, <laughs> like, it might, they might have put the review in the day before. Hold on. Oh, uh, it's ruthless. Yeah, let's see here. What do we got? Uh, it was uh, September 26th. Oh, man. I think that was the Monday, right? Was that the I'm, Monday? I'm pulling up my calendar right now. <laughs> yeah, it was Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, it's like not even that he was writing this review on like Thursday. No, like it's like. Do you understand how podcasting works, buddy? It wasn't like you were listening to us live talking right then. Right. That's nuts. That's so nuts. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, last week was a bad episode. Probably it could have used some Star Trek. I hadn't seen it. It just came out that fucking night. The guys, the guys got that right. Like it probably would have been a better podcast. I've got all my. I had already got my whole outline done for the show. Decent enough show, guys. But where's the circuit, Jack? Oh God, <laughs> shove it up your ass. I'm starting to turn around on this guy. Actually, oh fuck you, Jake. <laughs> I, I, re- I really hated last week's episode, and the fact that he's saying decent enough show, that's actually, that's starting to feel like praise. Decent enough. Oh, yeah, it's a two-star review when we get knocked off for not talking about what he wants us to talk about. He, yeah, but you gotta... No, you gotta no, 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 I'm sick of, no, this is not, this is not a, this is not your fucking uh, restaurant that you go to, and you can ask for your shit on the side. Fuck you. This is, I'm the soup Nazi, no soup for you, asshole. I don't know. We got a two-star review for a one-star show. I say thank you. Nah, fuck you, Jake. Fuck you, too. (laughs) And people making demands. Knock it down to a one-star. Give us the one-star. I feel better with that. Two-star. That's a slap in the face, Jake. Two. Oh, the the two-star is is the low blow. That's for sure. Yeah, at least one-star. Come on. I think we've earned it. (laughs) At least by now, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. These people making demands make me sick. 
Star Trek fan, nineteen eighty one. This is this is not like uh, this is not like a request show. Hey hey wh- hey, what would you like to see? Let us know what you'd like to see. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> look, look, look for our new our new podcast, podcast roulette. Just tell us the topics. No, we're talking about it. No, I don't care. <laughs> You, you know what? If if you, you, Trekkie nineteen eight, you start your own fucking Star Trek podcast. You got so much to talk about, <laughs> asshole. I've been talking about this for like fifteen minutes, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Poor Rebecca. She's like caught in the middle of this shit. <laughs> no, no, no. I was I was like debating if I was going to make this joke that. I was going to say, you know what, Brian? I'm sorry. That was that was my review. Oh, I was I, really pissed. Yeah, <laughs> you did it. Talk about Star Trek when I wanted to talk about Star Trek. Yeah. Well, this got really uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, want to thank? Uh, let's move on from that shit. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank a new Patreon patron, uh, Maria Hammond. Uh, she donated, so thank you so much. It's always good to see people donate. She, uh, she, she messed up though. She, <laughs> yeah, Marie, I'm calling you out. Um, she, she donated like the largest donation you can make. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, and I was like, holy shit, wow, okay, cool. Six hours later, it goes. <laughs> The donation goes down to the lowest one you can make. She must have realized what she did. She's like, oh, shit. I clicked on the wrong one. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man, for a second, we almost had a new leftover. Yeah. I think I think, I think, think when she clicked on the lowest one, she was like, decent enough show, guys, but you didn't talk about Star Trek. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> – find out, find out what year she was born. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It's 81. <clears throat> oh, man. All right, guys. Let's uh, move on to uh, the podcast of the week. Yo. So you got yourself a podcast, but nobody fucking listens. PC gals about to tell you what you bitches are fucking missing. Back in the 80s, there was a wrestler. I ain't shit. But that's got nothing to do with the podcast of the week. All right. Podcast of the week is actually... Hey, give me one second. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not. All right, we're back. Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Podcast of the week. Uh, This week is going to be... It's Nerd Porn. Uh, Hosts Aaron and Keith from Nerd Porn. Oh, they haven't banned that from iTunes yet? Now, uh, you can, yeah, it's crazy. They have to, uh, with most of their social media, though, they have to, the word porn, they have to change the O to a zero in order to even post it. Because apparently, I think, I don't know, Twitter or Facebook won't let you have the word porn. So, but yeah, they, uh, Keith and Aaron, they talk uh, TV, movies, and uh, video games. And they have a rating system where they use dicks. So, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely check out Nerd Porn. They're funny guys. Uh, they're great. They support our show. They plug us after every episode. They uh, us and then a few other podcasts. So, want to return that? Want to return the favor? So definitely give them a listen. These guys are hilarious, and they put on a great show every week. So listen to Nerd Porn and uh, check them out. That's the podcast of the week. All right, go Nerd Porn. All right, let's see here. What do we got? 
What do we got? What do we do? I, you, you think that I would know what we're doing with the show every week now. Oh, we're doing uh, Good Pop, Bad Pop next. Sounds good. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, let's see here. You know, last week I didn't have a lot to talk about. It seems like this week I have a lot to talk about. I think the first thing I want to start with is actually something I think we've all seen. I'm hoping we all seen. I know, Rebecca, you've seen it. Um, The Annihilation teaser trailer. Okay. Did you watch it, Jake? No, I did not. Ah, I sent you the heads up on it. I know. I'm a jerk on that one. I'm watching it. You talk about it. Okay, um, Annihilation is the uh, it's the follow up film for uh, Alex Garland, uh, the director of Ex Machina, and um, it's based on the 2014 novel by Jeff Vandermeer. It's the uh, first in the, the the Annihilation's the first in the series of three books that came out, the Southern Reach trilogy. And the book, basically, it's about uh, a team of four women. There's a biologist, an anthropologist, a psychologist, and a surveyor. And they set out into this area known as Area X. And the area has been abandoned. It's cut off from the rest of civilization. It's kind of a mystery. Um, They are the 12th expedition to this area. The other expeditions have uh, been fraught with disappearances, suicides, um, mental trauma, aggressive cancers, and one of the people that was on a previous mission was uh, the biologist's husband, played by Oscar Isaac, and he went missing. So Natalie Portman is playing the biologist. You have just Jennifer Jason Lee as the psychologist, Tessa Thompson, um, who's going to be in Thor Ragnarok. She was also in Westworld. Um, she's the surveyor. Oscar Isaac's in this one, and then Gina Rodriguez. So I I watched the trailer. I've really, I mean, we've talked about this when it was in pre-production, and uh, this is one I've really been looking forward to. Um, Rebecca, you got to see the trailer. What did you think? It's gorgeous. I mean, the trailer is just visually stunning. I I don't, I I have not read the novel, uh, so I'm not familiar with the source material particularly, but... um, this is this is so intriguing. Just v- visually, it makes me want to go to the movie and see it, what's going to happen, what the story is. Um, it's it's just great. It's absolutely great. Yeah, this kind of like you know, I, I feel like this could be for me. Last year, like the surprise sci-fi film that with an indie feel that I loved was Arrival. I thought Arrival mm-hmm. was – did you see that, Rebecca? I, I did, yeah. and I loved it. I it, absolutely loved that movie. Me too. More so than the Fassbender movie, uh, whatever was, – wasn't that last year too? Oh, man, what was that? With the kid from It? Uh, Midnight Special? That was yeah. uh, that was actually um, – um, oh, God, it's not Michael Fassbender. It was um, Joel Edgerton oh, and, and uh, Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon, my apologies. Right. And um, I – 
Yeah, I think I did like Arrival. I mean, it's by a hair. I mean, I think I did like Arrival a little bit better than Midnight Special um, by a hair. Um, but this this is like right there. I think you're right, Rebecca. Like visually, this looks pretty amazing. And mm-hmm. I think like Natalie Portman's hit or miss for me. You know, I mean, I, I think she's got great potential to be like a fantastic actress and you know knock it out of the ballpark every time but like you know she does make some bad choices she did that jane got a gun and that was not good and so you know that kind of set her back a little bit but i think this looks really good the cast is fantastic and um yeah i just finished the trailer myself and yeah wow it looks really visually stunning and um it's kind of a step up from the director it looks like the same type of mind fuck of a movie but not so, like, set in one setting as yeah. much, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not it, as isolated. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, Ex Machina was kind of like, I mean, I can't imagine that the budget on that was huge. Um, there's only, like, four, like, the credits roll, and there's four people in the movie. Right, yeah, there's, it, you know, and, you know, maybe five, including the pilot. So, you know, yeah. it's, this seems like it's a much more expansive film. I mean, they're actually going to be on this you know this island or wherever they're at this area x and so there's going to be more traveling and there's already more characters in this than there ever were in in uh, ex machina but yeah it's directed by alex garland and he he written he wrote this one too adapted it from that jeff vandermeer novel and i think this looks fantastic so definitely check out the trailer yeah it comes out for my birthday too february 23rd right right before my birthday yeah i knew it came out in february uh, oh, yeah, Alex Garland, he promises a, quote, mind-blowing ending to this. So, Ooh. yeah, I don't know if – I think it's probably just like a one film and done then. I don't know if Alex Garland seems like the kind of guy who would do like a trilogy of films. Like, oh, you know, I'm going to do but, – but I don't know. I, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, based off of like <laughs> one previous movie he did. But, it makes uh, me wonder if he alters the ending of the book. Like, does he pull like a Frank Durabont did with the end of The Mist, where he completely is going to shock everyone, even the readers yeah. of the book? Yeah, it, maybe he picked like the best of the trilogy, and he's just going to end it with this, you know, instead of doing like an actual trilogy of all three of these books. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Should be interesting. Um, I did want to talk real quick, and then I'll pass it off to one of you guys. I did watch Gerald's Game on Netflix. Um, oh, nice. I, I want to. I just haven't had time yet. It's uh, uh, written, you know, it's based off the uh, – It's is it a short story by Stephen King? No, it's a full-blown novel. Okay. And it's directed by Mike Flanagan, um, who directed Oculus, and then he directed the superior Ouija movie, the sequel, which was, like, really highly regarded, according to critics. It's called uh, Ouija <laughs> Origin, of, uh, Origin of Eden or something. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, it's about when a harmless game between a married couple in a remote retreat suddenly becomes a harrowing fight for survival. Wife Jessie must confront long-buried demons within her own mind and possibly lurking in the shadows of her seemingly empty house. That's a nice way of saying that uh, this couple uh, rented not, – not rented, but went to this uh, – this retreat, this secluded house out in, like, the uh, wilderness, and we're going to play this little sex game, and he hi- he had her tied up uh, with uh, handcuffs on the bed, and he basically has a heart attack, and she is left there uh, out. 
Jesus Christ, they just hit some. She is left out in the wilderness, <laughs> handcuffed to this fucking bed, and she's got no food, and nobody's coming out there to rescue her. And oh, wow. um, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like one of those uh, one of those movies where people are stuck, you know, and stuck and fucked. So um, yeah, yeah, I've read the book. Yeah. I, uh, it stars Carla Gugino, Bruce Greenwood, and Henry Thomas. Um, what do you think of the book? Um, it's it's interesting. It's never been one of my favorite King books, but it's an interesting experiment because um, the whole book is told through her POV. Yeah. So I mean, unlike the movie, you like as the reader, you're figuring out what is going on with the main character being blindfolded. Hmm. Yeah, she's not even blindfolded in the movie. So it's it's pretty bizarre. Huh. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to, you know, like people are going nuts over this thing, saying it's fantastic. They love it. I'm going to give it a taste. In. Um, I was not as blown away with this as some of the people that I've seen talk about it, uh, whether they be critics or just uh, um, Stephen King fans or just, you know, casual fans that happen to see it. I'm going to give it a taste. I, I liked it. Um, I just felt like it's weird. You've got this. This It does have layers, and it has a lot of character development. And I, I thought Carla Gugino did a great job. I thought she was really good in this. Bruce Greenwood is fantastic in it. Um, and um, it's, it's just one of those things where it's this. I have a problem, I guess, with the story. It just seems like there's – You've got the story of this woman fighting for survival, but then she's also, like, forced to, like, relive, like, traumatic elements from her past. And I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I guess that's a thing we're doing now. And, uh, you know, yeah. she, she might die. So you might as well think about these things. But then there's this other sinister element, which I felt like didn't fit anywhere into this. I felt it It was, out, it was weird. I was just like, where does this fit in anywhere? There's this odd sinister element in the story and it's it's barely touched on while the actual event is going on and then like the last 15 minutes of the movie is actually dedicated to it and i just felt like that felt out of place for me so i don't know i'm gonna give it a taste it i would recommend that people check it out though because everybody else seems to be fucking vegan like going going bananas over this shit so i don't what do i know yeah, Stephen King always said that this was like one of those things that they probably never would make a movie out of just because of the way the book was written. So it's just kind of it's kind of cool that they found figured out a way to do it and just did it in the first place. Yeah. I assume it has a lot of flashbacks. Oh, tons. Absolutely. Tons of flashbacks. Okay. Yeah. Huh. I'm interested to see. It sounds like it's really faithful. Oh, yeah, from the reviews that I read, Jake, like people were talking about how this left really nothing out. Like everything is represented here. For the most part, so yeah, I well, uh, it'd be it'd be nice if they could do that with his good books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, have you have you seen okay. the trailers for this, Rebecca, or anything? No, I mean yeah. I'm I'm aware of the movie. I, I haven't seen any trailers for it though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out, Netflix. Gerald's Game. Uh, one of you guys can go next. Jake, you want to go? Yeah, um, I just briefly, briefly wanted to talk about something. Uh, HBO's uh, Spielberg documentary is going to be this week, I believe. Uh, it's October 7th. Maybe it's next Sunday hmm. or Saturday. Nice. I'm super excited about it. I know Scorsese's involved, uh, DiCaprio, um, all kinds of actors and directors that have worked with Spielberg. Just It's just a real in-depth 
HBO documentary look at Steven Spielberg, and I'm quite pumped for it. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be very well done with a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff on some of his bigger movies that we've never seen before. So just kind of wanted to give everyone listening a heads-up to that. Um, you know, HBO, get your free month somehow and check this documentary out. Yeah, speaking um, of heads up, I gave you one for Annihilation trailer, and that didn't do, that didn't do shit. Yeah, I was able to watch it. Yeah, during the fucking episode. I heard it, too. I can I can actually watch video on Skype and hear the volume and you guys at the same time. Yeah, all right. Whatever. It's pretty cool. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah you, you got me there, Jake. I wasn't trying to get anybody. No, no, you did. Um, Big winner today. Okay. <laughs> Don't be be so sensitive. I'm just joking around. uh, I do that during the Jedi Council podcast a lot, too, because I I can actually watch episode one while we're talking about the movie and hear it, too. It's pretty crazy. And none of that comes through on the podcast. All right. Explanation. Clarification. Okay, then. Cool. Jamie, I won. Yeah, you did. Big winner. Get that blue rib, blue, blue, okay, blue. You can go next, Rebecca. Blue ribbon of podcasting. <laughs> okay. I don't, why does everything get all weird? I'm just joking. Christ. <laughs> I'm not weird. No, I said, why does everything get all weird? Oh, you, now you can go, Rebecca. Okay. Oh. Uh, yeah, moist. I, there we go. Oh, shut up. Um, I saw. I saw yesterday. I don't know if you guys have seen Kingsman Golden Circle. No. <laughs> no. Okay, um, I'll just I'll be real quick about it. Um, I enjoyed the first movie. I had a, I had a lot of fun with the first movie. I would have given that a high taste it. This one is a low taste it. Um, I was really disappointed in the sequel. Um, in the first movie, like yeah, there was like the hyper violence and stuff and 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 the silliness of it, but there was actually good. There was story there. There was like the. To me, like those moments of violence fit into the story. And here they were just inventing moments to put these hyper violent scenes in. And, you know, the movie opens with some crazy hyper violent car chase thing. And then they like basically redo that whole. Do you, do you guys remember from the first movie when they did the uh, manners? Uh, how does he say it? Manners maketh man. I saw the uh, first one once. I do not. Yeah. So. It, oh, okay. To be like, to be honest with you, me and Jake didn't mm-hmm. really care for the first one. So. Oh, I got you. I got you. Um, yeah. So you're, I mean. You're probably saving us a two star review right now, though, for the I, <laughs> next week. Yeah. 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 I, I would say if if you're not a if you were not a big fan of the first one, you probably will not like this one at all. Um, and I enjoyed the first one. I had a good time with it. But this one, there were so many fight scenes that by the end of the movie, with the final big fight scene, I didn't care. Like, I didn't care how it all worked out because I had seen so many of them already. And, um, you know, ha- uh, Halle Berry's in it. She just phones this in like everything else she does. Um, <laughs> Channing Tatum, who they were hyping being in this movie, is in it for maybe tops 15 minutes. Um, the real, like, the guy who plays this character named Whiskey, played by Pedro Pascal, I really uh, liked the him. Oh, the Viper. 
Yeah, I really liked him a lot. Like, the, he had a lot of, like, these CGI lasso scenes, um, and, like, he had, like, a, like, an Indiana Jones style bullwhip that he would use. Those were really cool. Like, those were really unique. We didn't see that in the first movie. Um, it's, it's just, like, by the last scene, I didn't care what happened anymore because I had seen so much of these ridiculous, hyper violent scenes that it was just too much for me. And, yeah, it's it's a very low tasted. I did not care for this sequel at all, which is sad because I I like Matthew Vaughn and um like I said I enjoyed the first one, but I yeah, did not really care for the second one at all. Hearing it's not as good as the first one, and I've heard that from quite a few people now. Is yeah. something that makes me not care at all. Yeah, and it's it's a shame because I think the last time I checked, it was like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was really – like, even when it was first coming out, like, the rating was pretty low. And um, I was really surprised by that. I thought I thought this was going to be good. But it was sort of like, oh, you liked all those violent scenes in the first movie? Here, have a hundred more of them. And it was just – it didn't work for me at all. Hmm. Yeah, overkill. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um I have, I have one more quick thing before we talk about the other thing that both Jake and I saw. Um, I watched Big Mouth on on Netflix. Have Have you guys watched this at all? No, mm-hmm. I saw it advertised on Netflix. The cartoon animated thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. like, er- earlier today, um, Larry Mayday posted in the Leftover Army that he had watched it and he really enjoyed it. So I said, oh, let me, I'll give it a shot. This show is hilarious. It is so. It's it's. This is a Tupperware. I'm for. Almost five episodes in, and this is a this is a cartoon about kids going through puberty, and it is, I mean it's it's mostly boys, which is hilarious, and then there's like one or two girls in it, and I mean they talk about everything. They talk about these boys are like thirteen ish years old, and they're talking about you know having like wet dreams and just jacking off everywhere and then like in the second episode like the the girl gets her period for the first time like they talk about puberty like completely and there's this character he's like a hormone monster who he shows up and all the kids see him like when they're in their moments where they're like feeling horny or whatever and the hormone monster is hilarious because he's like just this giant green thing and he's just telling them like all these terrible things like to get them going and um there's a there's a girl one for the girl which is voiced by Maya Rudolph and it's hilarious this what this channel is, is this on it's ne- on Netflix, Netflix. It's, oh. Yeah. It's um it's 10 episodes all available now. You know, it's like half an hour 25 minute thing. Uh it's it's uh, Nick Kroll is the guy behind it. Um but there's a lot of comedians on here, right? Like Jenny Slate, Fred Armisen, Jordan Peele, um Nick Kroll, John Mulaney. Like if you're a fan of like the Kroll show, um you you might enjoy this as well. So, I would definitely if if you like that adult cartoon humor um this is very clever and the fact that it's like kids going through puberty like i've never seen anything like this before it's very very clever it's very funny and it's dirty i mean yeah it's very dirty (laughs) i gotta imagine you're gonna be all over this right brian i'll watch it i i love nick kroll you know i loved him in the league and i love the kroll show um 
I don't know, it, Rebecca. You've been watching. You've been watching a lot of this uh, juvenile dick humor lately. Like you love. I don't know why. No, like it's weird. Like I, I, I didn't know. I didn't like. You know, like American Vandal. Like you love that fucking thing. You know and what? Then, okay, I'll be. I'll be totally honest. I watched the first episode just of American Vandal just for like, like for the what's the word like like the gimmick of it and. I, I was going to be on the, I was, I was, had to be somewhere talking about it. So I said, well, let me try to watch the whole thing. And by the end, it really did make a real switch, a real change. And I know that's like a different thing than this, but I don't know. I don't know why. That's funny. No, it's just, my it's fun. No, I'm not, I'm not giving you shit. I'm just saying like, yeah, everybody thinks I'm giving them shit tonight. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ, guys! No, just, no, but it's like, I didn't think you're giving me shit. I just uh, <laughs> that's it's not, I didn't know how to react. No, it's fine. It's like nothing that I don't ever do. Like if Frank's making a fucking stupid noise over there, I'm gonna call him out on it. And if you know, like uh, I know, you, but you get when you do it to Frank, like he thinks that's funny. And I, I just like it doesn't make me upset, but it doesn't crack me up either. <laughs> well, it's not for you, Jake. Not everything's for you. Not everything's for you. Okay, sometimes it's for me. All right. I'm a, I I, it's self-pleasuring over here. So, Do you need me to laugh like Frank when you self-deprecate me? No, no, no. It's your response. <laughs> it's your response. No, it got a little okay. awkward. You know what okay. I mean? Like you don't have to like go like gung-ho like, oh, Brian, you're slaying me with this fucking bullshit that I can't stand. <laughs> but on the flip side, on the flip side, you're just like, you know, like I'm not trying to like 100% make you feel uncomfortable. But then like you're throwing it back like, hey. I'm making you feel uncomfortable for said thing, <laughs> right? Right. You could just cut. Kinda... I wasn't into maybe subconsciously. All maybe. right. This is making me laugh because it it may be accurate. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> no, like you know, I'm not looking for like your approval. Like yeah, I don't need to get like rip roaring laughs on your end. You know. <laughs> but anyway, Rebecca. Yeah, it's uh, one of those things where like. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've been uh, you've been watching a lot of dick humor lately. Um, <laughs> back to the dicks. Yeah, back to the dicks, and uh, the other now, dicks. You don't have to. De- you don't have to. You don't have to defend yourself. You know, American Vandal takes. You, like you said, it takes like a. It takes a turn in the show about penises, and it's it's engaging. And I guess I just have to keep watching this thing because that's I've been hearing a lot of the same thing from a lot of people. I just thought it was kind of like the I got I, like I got the gimmick. Like, I got the gimmick. Yeah. Like, okay, it's making a murderer with uh, this whole dick scandal, and that's about it. And they're stretching it out for eight episodes, and all right, yeah, I get it. Cool. But, yeah, I guess I, I, I'll watch episode three eventually. But, you know, as, as much as I enjoyed American Vandal by the end of it, I mean, and I said this on Tales from the Yard, by episode five, I had that moment where I was like, is this thing over yet? Yeah, like, you, you go through some, you go through some, you're going through some dick fatigue, right? Just, just a little, a little bit, just a little. And yeah. um, but but you know what makes this show Big Mouth different is the fact that there's a whole nother element for the girls that are going through puberty as well, and. I think that's what also appeals to me is it's not just, you know, boys talking about jacking off, but there's like girls going through real puberty issues too. And it adds to the whole dynamic of the show. And I, I enjoy like those cartoons that are made for adults. Um, I mean, not everybody does, but I, I enjoy that. And this is just really, 
it's just really well done yeah. and it's just something that you wouldn't expect to see. That's cool. As a cartoon. So yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out. I, I think it's really, really good. That's awesome. Cause like, you know, I, I grew up and I watched, you know, everybody that's around my age, I watched just like you, I watched the wonder years, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. But Kevin never talked about his dick, right? <laughs> exactly. Right? And even even Wayne, his fucking perverted older brother, is not fucking like pulling his dick out and chasing girls, you know? I mean yeah, And you know they were dealing with it. Yeah, oh yeah. And like, you know, like did you know, did Winnie have a vagina? Who knows? That show never addressed it. You know, and right. it's nice to know that there are these adult shows on Netflix that are handling these delicate situations and doing it with animated characters. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I'm going to get that at least an episode. Nobody knows what yeah. to say when I say anything in this episode. There's like the, <laughs> it's like this weird. I know. I wish I could blame the internet this time. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Fuck it. I'm done. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, but that's that's it for me. That's my that's my good pop, bad pop. Other than the yeah. other other thing we're going to talk about. <laughs> All right. Yeah. The other other thing. I got two things left. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing about uh, preteens' uh, genitalia, though. Sorry. Oh, I'm not interested then. Sorry to Bye, disappoint. Mm. I'm out. Yeah, I'm I know. Fun. Oh, I know. You guys are enjoying it so much. Awkward <laughs> silences and all. <laughs> anyway, I watched uh, the season four premiere of Nathan for You on uh, Comedy Central with uh, Nathan Fielder. Uh, it's no, on that show's awesome. Thursday nights, and this season started off fucking great. Um, the show, this is the synopsis from IMDb. Nathan Fielder uses his business degree and life experiences to help real small businesses turn a profit. But because of his unorthodox approach, Nathan Nathan's genuine efforts to do good often draw real people into an experience far beyond what they signed up for. So... Um, I've seen some great episodes of this and like usually like Nathan Fielder like tries to take it this I mean it's it's I guess you can call it a reality show because he he is dealing with real people but he tries yeah. to put them in like I don't know these bizarre situations so like these business owners need help. Let me just explain like the season premiere for season 4. It was a restaurant that hadn't had like good public press in 20 years. Like the last time they were featured in a newspaper was 20 years ago and you know so Nathan's hearing this guy's story, and instead of like, hey, let's revamp the fucking menu, Nathan's like, hey, you've heard about these restaurants that get themselves in the newspaper because a celebrity comes in and leaves a gigantic tip. Let's do that here. So instead of having a real celebrity come in and leave a tip, he hires a lookalike of <laughs> – of uh, him and the business owner choose a lookalike of Michael Richards to come in and do it. Oh man! But see, oh man, yeah. So there, but there is like, but there's a lot that goes with that, man. Because like, first off, every one of those articles they actually show the tip, the slip, the receipt, and on that receipt it actually has the name of that celebrity on the receipt because that's the way the credit card scans it with your name on there, and so. They had to. They they were looking for someone in the in the uh, phone book named Michael Richards that they were going to ask if they could u- deposit ten thousand dollars into their bank account 
and and then use their card, their debit card. And um, they're recording this conversation, you know, over the phone. And this guy goes, are you out of your mind? No, I'm not doing that. And so the guy hangs up. And so now, now they need to find somebody, Michael Richards, that will do this. So they're willing to pay someone $1,000 to legally change their name to Michael Richards. So that way, they can then get a debit card with the name Michael Richards on it. So they find this guy, and this guy's like, okay, I'll do it. And he changes his name legally. Well, they find out that this guy at one time had been arrested for armed robbery. So now Nathan is worried that when they deposit the $10,000 in there, he'll be tempted to steal it. So, so, so Nathan says, do you mind when we put the money into your bank account, we're handcuffed together and we can just hold hands into the bank to make it look non-suspicious? <laughs> so they handcuff each other, they go into the bank and they deposit the money. And then after that, he's like, well, um, let's go back. They go back to a hotel and Nathan puts on a longer, a longer, um, handcuff, like a chain that's really long and it goes from one room to the other. <laughs> and so throughout the night, he's handcuffed to this guy. I, does the guy seem like a shady, suspicious guy? Like, yeah. Does it seem pretty legit with it, the guy? Like he's fucked up? Yeah. He seems weird. He seems a little off. So. It, this first episode is absolutely hilarious. I don't know if they're, if it's available on Hulu. I think it would be available on Hulu if you missed it on Comedy Central. But it's called Nathan for You, and it's one of the funniest fucking shows on Comedy Central out right yeah, now. Yeah, it's hilarious. And it's I, one of the yeah. best one of these kind of reality shows I've seen in a long time. Yeah, like where Borat kind of got like, you know, like Sasha Baron Cohen with Borat, you know, that was great. Um but he became too recognizable and he couldn't he couldn't do those movies anymore. This is like Nathan Fielder's not too recognizable, so like he gets a he still gets away with this shit and it's it's fantastic. There was one episode where he created a like a Starbucks clone and it was called like Dumb Starbucks or something. <laughs> and yeah. And it made it made the paper like I mean, there's been episodes where, like, his, whatever he's done, whatever stunt he's pulled for these businesses has made, like, a local news channel. And they show the actual footage or the newspaper. Yeah, the funny thing about this one is, like, anytime you get your le- name legally changed, the newspaper has to publish it. So, like, now they're worried that that somebody in the media would see that this guy legally changed his name to Michael Richards and they might question the tip. So what does Nathan do? He creates his own newspaper. (laughs) Yes, and he calls it the Diarrhea Times. (laughs) In the hopes that no one will read this. This episode is just fucking hilarious. Nathan Fiu, seasons one through three are on Hulu, and I think as soon as they air on Comedy Central, the new episodes, I think the very next day they're on Hulu. So I highly recommend that you just burn through. I think there's like maybe 30 or so episodes. Just burn through them. They're so much fun. Oh, they really have all the old ones on Hulu? Because I've only seen the first season, and I was just looking for this a couple of weeks ago and couldn't find this anymore. They, they did at one time. They had all three seasons. The last time I checked, they had all three seasons. The last time I checked was maybe a month ago. So oh, I, I think it's no more. Okay, they yeah, might. I, I don't see it in a search on Hulu. Yeah, they did. That's how I. That's how I got caught up on it because I. Uh, 
I started watching season three live, but I watched seasons one and two on Hulu, so they might have lost it. But it was uh, they the expired January second, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So. Uh, last thing I want to talk about for Good Pop, Bad Pop is I just got out of the theater. I saw American Made, the new uh, movie with Tom Cruise, um, where he plays. It's based on a true story about a pilot, lands work for the CIA, and as a drug runner in the South during the 1980s. Um, yeah, it's a great trailer. How was it? It's directed by Doug Lyman and written by Gary Spinelli. And um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I, I, I'm a sucker for these kind of based on a true story movies where it deals with like, you know, this another this is another movie like Blow that deals with like Pablo Escobar. Um, this movie actually makes me want to go watch Narcos, which is I believe is about the same kind of thing, which I haven't seen any of Narcos. But um, it's uh, you've got Tom Cruise. He plays Barry Seal. He's a he was a pilot for the T, for TWA Airlines. And he's contacted by a CIA agent, Monty Schaefer, and he's played by Donald Gleason. And he asks Barry Seal to fly reconnaissance missions for the CIA over Central America using a small plane with cameras installed. And so he'll fly over these, um, uh, basically over these like little military camps um, and snap pictures. And um, next thing you know, he gets stopped. Um, Oh yeah, he starts working. Then he starts. Then they start having him uh, do little missions where he's a courier between the CIA and uh, Manuel Noriega in Panama. So then, uh, then like the drug cartel down in Colombia, they stop him on one of his flights where he's going to refuel, and it's Pablo Escobar, and he's basically saying, I, "Yeah, I know that you know you're working for the CIA, but how would you like to work for me? I will pay you." $2,000 for every two pounds of cocaine you fly back to the U.S. for me. And then he start, he's working for the CIA, and then he's also working for he's also working for Pablo Escobar. And uh, this is – it's fantastic. I love it. I mean the, the, all this shit kind of like revolved around this one guy. And I mean the, the story goes into the Iran-Contra affair, and you know you got Oliver North showing up in this thing. You've got the White House in this thing. It's just it just keeps escalating, and it's so good. My, um, one of my favorite scenes in it was when like they first loaded up his little uh, airplane with all all that cocaine, and he's <laughs> on this little runway in Colombia, and it's like he, this tiny little man-made runway that they made for him for this plane. And he's he's trying to get this thing to get off the uh, get off the ground and take flight. Like there's they've got like there's a shot of you know a fucking plane crashed in the trees. Like they hadn't been able to get anybody to to make it out of this damn thing. So that was a yeah, really this is, fun scene. This is always a fun conceit. I bet this is really good. Like the normal guy gets caught up in the drugs and the greed yeah. type of heist crime drama movie. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bet this is good. I'm definitely going to be checking this out when it's uh, on the old on demand. Yeah, it was it was fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and it was one of those movies that like it was an hour and fifty five minutes, but it like it went so quick. Like it it this movie really moves, and it went by so quick. Yeah, I mean, I was really never bored throughout this film. It really gets going. So, um, 
fantastic. Uh, if you don't know anything about the story, if you've never read up on it before, I, I wouldn't. I would just go in there and find out. Uh, don't don't spoil yourself. Don't look at like the real story because it's all out there on the internet. And um, but don't spoil yourself. Just go in there and watch this um, and enjoy it. So uh, let's uh, finish up. Good Pop, Bad Pop by talking about what Trekkie1981 came here last week for that we didn't deliver on, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking cock. Uh, Let's talk about Star Trek Discovery. Uh, Ten years before Kirk, Spock, and the Enterprise, the USS Discovery discovers new worlds and life forms as one Starfleet officer learns to understand all things alien. Uh, created by uh, this uh, is created by uh, Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman. Uh, Brian Fuller actually left the show and now is working on. He did a lot of setup for the first season and actually did a lot of work on the first two episodes, but left to do American Gods. Uh, it stars Jason Isaacs, Sonequa Martin Green, Doug Jones, Shazad Latif, Anthony Rapp, and Michelle Yeoh. Um, uh, let's jump into this one, uh, Jake. I'll have you start. Yeah, um, I, I've been pretty excited for this. I think it's been since, what, Enterprise, since we've had Star Trek on the TV. Has that been 12 more years. than a decade? 12 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Long time. yeah so it, it's been a long time. So I've really been looking forward to this. Um, this is a really hard thing for me to rate. I, I think I'm going to give it a high taste it. Um, I'm definitely going to keep watching. I liked what I saw. But I need – there wasn't enough heart yet for me to, like, really give it a Tupperware. Like, I need to – meet the crew a little bit more and kind of learn a bit more about these people before I decide if I really, really, really love this series. Um, the effects were definitely a Tupperware. They were top notch. Um, hard to believe this is going to be on CBS all access with just how gorgeous it looked. I did not expect that. And I mean, I thought the action was there and there was, there's a lot that has me questioning different stuff that's going on. And I'm sure we'll get into a bit of that, but but yeah, high taste it for me for these first two episodes. Uh, let's see here. I uh, I did not like the first episode. I, the first thirty five minutes, I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this. And then the last ten minutes, I was just like, all right, I'm in. And then by the second episode, I'm like, I I, I Takovma is a fantastic villain. This is amazing how they're setting up the Klingons now in this world going forward. Uh, just for these two episodes, I am going to give the way they finished it off a of Tupperware. I really enjoyed it. Now, that, mm. does that mean that the rest of the season is going to be a Tupperware? By no means does it mean that because the first two episodes are just merely a prologue to like what we are going to get. The show is called Star Trek Discovery. We haven't even made it to the Discovery. We haven't even seen the ship yet. So this is just kind of like introducing us to our main character of Michael, played by Sonequa Martin-Green. So I, I did love it. I think it did a great job of setting up everything so far, whether <laughs> as a prologue, but whether it's going to continue to stay good, I don't know. And especially with you know Brian Fuller leaving, I think he had a lot of influence, especially in these first two episodes. So it'll be interesting to see how the show moves forward. I I did think that there was some heart in the second episode with uh, the character of Michael um, learning more about her and being raised by the Vulcans. And I really enjoyed the scene where, um, you know, she was speaking to the computer and kind of used the the computer to to launch her onto the other ship to where she'd be safe. Um, yeah, was- I agree. They, they showed heart with Michael. 
But it was just weird. I've never seen Star Trek, like, so singularly focused on just, like, one character for two episodes because in a row like that. it was a prologue. I mean, we haven't even made ourselves made our way to the Discovery yet. I mean, um, I think the only crew member that I think that's going to be carried over from these episodes was the um, – Doug Jones character, the alien. I, I mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think anybody yeah. else is going to be carried over into this. So this was basically um, just a prologue to. It's going to completely change. I mean, the third episode is going to seem a lot different than what we just saw, and we haven't even been introduced to the ship yet. So um, I think it just had more to do with her character and um, how she gets to where she gets in the third episode, and then also setting up the Klingons going forward in this universe. But um, yeah, I, I get I, that. I loved uh, the second episode. First episode ended on a Tupperware for me, where it was a low taste it to start off with. It ends on a Tupperware for me, and then the second episode is just more Tupperware greatness. I, I loved it, and so it, yeah. it's got me hooked. Um, I, I cannot wait uh, to watch the episode tonight. Sorry, sorry, Trekkie nineteen eighty one. I can't stop right now and just watch it for you. God knows I want to. God knows God knows I'm here to fucking please you in, in everything yeah. that you do and make your life so much easier, you two-star fuck. Um, but anyway, yeah. Um, I'm definitely excited to see more. I mean, it was a little bit predictable, too. Like, we, you just were kind of waiting for the Michelle Yoy character to die the entire time, too. Just from, you know, what we've seen from the press, we kind of knew that was already going to happen. Yeah. What did you uh-huh. think, uh, Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you guys. There's a there's a lot in these two episodes that I absolutely loved. There's some stuff that I'm not sold on yet. Um, I loved the graphics, though, absolutely. Like all the CGI, all the graphic. I can't believe it's CVS. I Tupperware all of that. It was like movie quality. Yeah, it's there's, absolutely gorgeous, right? It was. They're spending eight million dollars an episode on this. It's, I mean, it shows. I mean, they are getting, like, when they that opening shot when they're pulling when, they, when they're basically getting not the opening shot, but when they're getting into that binary star system, and you see like all the effects and the debris field and the stars and how they're like just really lit up i was like oh my god this is like a movie this is i mean i was blown away by the by the effects um i love 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 that the opening scene was michelle yao and um shaniqua martin green two women of color the two highest ranking officers on the ship and they're on a mission and i just love that there's i, I love that that's our leadership um, for this, which is, which is great. Um, I am not a fan of how the Klingons look in this, um, in the series. I, I'm not a fan yet. Um, they look so different than any other version of Klingon we've seen. Uh, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I, I mean, it doesn't he, bother he, me at all. Really? I, I don't, I heard a lot of this before I saw the show. And then was kind of surprised at how many similarities I noticed between this design and kind of what we've seen in, you know, Next Generation on. It it didn't seem like as big of a departure as I was led to believe it was going to be. I mean, for sure, like, they've got the forehead ridges and, like, the nose looks similar. But then there's, like, they don't have the, like, there's no hair. The skull looks very, like, 
not Klingon. Yeah, the, um, the only thing they're missing is the white hand of Saruman on their fucking foreheads. They look like... Uh, yeah, yes. That, that they look like orcs. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head. That is exactly what they remind me yeah. of. Um, I'm just not sold on it yet. I mean, I've read articles about, like, what they're going for and, and, like, blah, blah, blah. And I get it. And, I mean, I get it, too. Like, when you look at the Klingons in the original series, you know, they didn't have any forehead ridges. They just looked like people with lots of hair on their face. And then they, like, retcon that back in, in Enterprise. And, and I get that, and that's fine. But other than character design, though, like, how did you feel about the way they were portrayed on screen? And like, I, I love that. That I love. I love yeah. that. Um, like, they never spoke English hardly. I love that they only spoke in Klingon with um, with the subtitles. I really love the direction that they're going, because when we meet the Klingons in the original series, you know, they're they're basically they, they are the Romulans for the original series. Right. There's like a whole neutral zone and they don't talk to each other and blah, blah, blah. And we just know that there was some kind of a war, but we don't know what that war was. Well, this is the series to show us what that war was. And I like that this guy, Takuvma, sees himself as like the messiah you know he's like he is Kalos reborn and he's going to unite the 24 great houses with this beacon and he and he's gonna and he's he's such a badass yeah i love oh my god i you know who that actor is right yeah that was anubis from american yes. gods yeah i was he and i loved that character too on on american gods but yeah. this actor is like amazing well that, that was I, I, a, like, that was another brian fuller show exactly hmm. yeah but but you can see like what you said earlier you can see brian fuller in this these two episodes i agree it has a lot of the same feel that american gods did and which is a good thing because i enjoyed that show as well um i loved all the easter eggs there were a good number of easter eggs in those first two episodes for like the hardcore trek fans which was great um i loved all the like the old like i, I loved all the sounds on the bridge yes right yes yeah. when i was like geeking out over all of that stuff like the sounds were right but i don't know what you guys think they keep saying that this is in the prime universe yeah it is but it doesn't feel that way to me this feels like it's in the in in the kelvin universe i agree i agree with that especially with like the full holograms on the calling really was like that that's not going on in the prime universe yeah, I, I'm gonna sound like Jordan on the supercast, but the timeline is all wrong in this because the Klingons shouldn't have cloaking devices yet, and there should not be the like full on Skype hologram. That that shouldn't exist yet, and so this to me. It, but it suffers of what a lot of prequels do. Like, when they go back, then they, like, update the technology, and then it doesn't fit in with what we already have. So, to me, this is more the Kelvin universe, which, if it is, that's fine. I have no problem with that. But uh, but then just say yeah. that. It's not. Don't, it, don't they, say they've, it's prime. They've said it's – they've stated it's prime. I so which Yeah. Is, I, I call bullshit on that. I, I don't – it doesn't feel like it's in the prime universe enough for me. Well, I'm hearing um, I'm hearing rumors that we're going to get flashback scenes of like, you know, child Spock, you know, or younger Spock. Which, so, which makes sense because if you have an if you have Sarek and I heard today that they cast Spock's mother. Yeah. Um it only makes sense 
if you're going to cast you, you, you cast a young Spock. How old? This is ten years before the original series, though, right? Yeah, yes. ten years before Kirk. He's not that young then, right? Probably in his twenties then, you'd imagine. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, Michael's character was raised by Vulcans from a young age, so if you want to go back into that flashback, you can cast a younger, much younger actor to play Spock. See, I don't. If I, you go that back, how how, uh, how old would Spock be? In this in this timeline, do you know Rebecca? Because I I, I I don't. God, oh, it, it's minus ten, whatever he is in episode one of the original series. Right. right? Yeah, and I don't right, know how old he is in Vulcan years or whatever. Yeah, because Vulcans live longer than humans do, and all that. And I I I don't. Know, I'll Google it if I find it. I'll find it. But um, Spock, I believe. If I remember my oh god, if I remember my timeline correctly, I mean Spock was a little older as far as Vulcan years went when he went into Starfleet because he was he like rejected like the Vulcan uh, Science Academy and all that and then like went into Starfleet. Um, so he thirty five. Like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so be twenty five. He would be he he'd be twenty five, and then if you go back even further into Michael's. Um, Childhood, you could certainly cast like a teenage or even younger if you wanted to go that route. Is, I, I, it, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. Is Star Trek Discovery just super like awesomely progressive with the main character's name, or is that something that's going to be like? Are we going to learn something about that later? That her name uh, is Michael. I don't know. I mean, I think they were going for something more progressive. Um. I really don't know if we're going to learn some special thing to her name. Maybe it, I haven't heard any rumors about that. Um, I think it's meant to be more progressive that her name is Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that Michelle Yao um, is not hiding or trying to hide her accent at, at all. Like she's keeping yeah. her Cantonese accent, which I think is, is wonderful. Um, I, I mean, I would give these first two episodes a very, very high taste it. Very high. Um, I, I'm not ready to Tupperware it yet. I got to see more of it. Um, but I do mm-hmm. like I do like how the first two episodes, especially the second episode, had a lot of action. I thought that was great to pull in new fans because there is a good amount of Trek, and I can admit it. There's a good amount of Trek where it's very political and there's a lot of talking, and there's not always action. Um, but there was action in, in the second episode. I I think that they've built a really great relationship between Philippa and Michael, um, which makes her death, of course, like – I think as as the season goes on and we get flashbacks, I think – it's going to mean even more when we think about, you know, what, what Michael lost. What did you think and, about the uh, character of uh, Saru, the alien character played by Doug Jones, who is a very non-confrontational alien species? Like their their whole species is like kind of like mm-hmm. uh, they instead of fight, it's flight. You know, they they, they would mm-hmm. rather, you know, they don't want any confrontation. They're not they're not war, war, you know. Yeah. He seemed very nervous and afraid about everything too. That's that their whole species. Joke. That's what their species yeah. is about. Yeah, it's interesting because they they created the species just for this this series. His species, his planet, is not appeared before in track, and so this is brand new. I I think it's really interesting. I actually really like his character a lot. Um, I feel like there's there's 
what's interesting is he by nature is he has that that like runaway instinct but he's fought against that to enter starfleet which is an exploration and it's it it is it's the military branch of of the federation so you have to know that you would be in the combat situation potentially so he's fought against his instinct to be on this ship and exploring deep space, I think that's very interesting. I yeah. think that there's a lot of room for storytelling there. Yeah, he, but he always does say, like, when they're in these situations, like, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but like, you know, we're not uh-huh. supposed, we're not, we're, you know, we're not, we're, we're not equipped for this. We're not this. We're not that, you know? And I think he just wants to be out in space and explore. And like, when it comes down to confrontation, he'd rather not be there. Yeah, so. no, yeah. I, I, I agree. That's, that's definitely his character. But I mean, just like speaking from what Starfleet is, I mean, even the exploration vessels have phasers and photon torpedoes and they can engage in battle if they have to. Sure. And I'm just talking so, about this character in particular. Oh, no, no, no. I, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you in the sense of, I, he's fighting against his instinct. I think just that, by even yeah. being there. I think saying. that. I think I can see that from the character in future episodes. I think that that's something that they will tackle later on, mm-hmm. like you know, fighting his his nature, you know his. But like right now, I just get the feeling like he 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 does. He, this is not like what he thought he signed up for. Right. Yeah. I I see what you're saying. Yeah. In in these two episodes, he's very much the like. Why don't we just leave? Let's just run away. Let's just right. go. And he says that like many times. Like yeah. like we should just go. We're we're outgunned. We're outnumbered. Blah blah blah. Um. Yeah. I mean, in these two episodes for sure. But I I I see a lot of potential in this character. Yeah. I was on the fence on this character. I got to be honest. I mean it. Okay. I didn't hate the character, but I didn't love it either. It felt like kind of just the comic relief for the two episodes. Is there going to be a whole group of people that are going to be introduced in the next couple episodes? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a a crew coming? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to meet the crew of the Discovery, I believe, in episode three. Um, And I don't know if you, you, you guys probably read this, that Rain Wilson will have a role in in the future episode as um, Harry Mudd. Yeah, I'm excited for that. He's a, you know, he's a longtime fan, so I'm sure he's excited about it. Oh, yeah, and that's such a, like, over-the-top character, um, Harry Mudd. I think Rain Wilson is an excellent choice to play him. I, I think that's great. I'm excited to see him in that role. Um, yeah, like I said, like, I, you know, I have my little things, and I'm, I, but I am a, I, I, I am a big Trek fan, and so I'm always going to see something, I'm going to be like, but that's not right according to the timeline. It's just me because how much I love it. Yeah. And I'm I, I'm in a couple of Star Trek groups on Facebook. This show has divided the the, the fan base. I mean, I can't even tell you that like, it is straight down the middle of people either loving it or hating it. And yeah. the people who hate this tend to love the Orville, which is really interesting to me. They feel like the Orville is more Trek than this is. I can um, see that because that's I, doing I, yeah. it's doing episodic episodes where this is like this started off so weird as as far as a Star Trek series is concerned. It did like you would think that they would start off like, you know, introduce the ship, introduce the crew, and then you can maybe do the flashback to what happened to her previous captain or something. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I, no, you you have a valid point in every other. I mean, even think back to like Next Generation. You know, we're introduced to the, the crew of the Enterprise in the first uh, in the first episode, right? We see the ship, we meet the captain, you know, we get the first officer, blah, blah, blah. 
that we meet all the all the players right away. Here it is two episodes in, and we haven't met the captain of the Discovery. We haven't seen the Discovery. We haven't seen all the actors who are going to be in it, which when it started, I was like, this is what, wait, this is not the Discovery. This is the Senjo. This is not even the right ship. And then they're telling you how Michael ends up on the Discovery. And uh, I love the actor they cast for Sarek, though. He's great. I, I like him as Sarek a lot. And, yeah, he's um, been in a lot of other stuff. He was in, um, oh, yeah. he plays Ferdinand in uh, Orphan Black. I love yeah. that actor. Oh, okay, okay. Michelle recognized him. Said he was in the Tudors and a few other shows too. He he was in the Tudors. I I mean, I've seen him in a bunch of stuff, but I think the first thing I ever saw him in is uh, Where the Heart Is with Natalie Portman. He played Forney in that movie, which I really liked his character in that movie a lot. So, um, th- this I I just there's a lot that's really good about this series, and I think by the end of the season, I am going to Tupperware it. But for right now, it's it is absolutely a high taste. And I think maybe I, I could see myself like as we go on being able to overlook a lot of the little things that are bugging me right now. Um, but that's yeah, that that's my like first impressions of the first two episodes. See, I'm kind of like in the opposite place that you're in right now, now Rebecca. I, I absolutely Tupperware the first two episodes. Well, I mean. I'll 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 be honest. Like the first thirty minutes, thirty five minutes of episode right. one, I was not into, but it ended on a really high note for me. And then the second episode was just fantastic, in my opinion. But I feel like with that being a prologue, this next episode is really going to set the tone for the rest of the series. Absolutely. So I, this is the episode that I'm the most worried about now. That I can be worried about. I, of course, I was worried about the first episode, but now that and second episode, but now that that's out of the way. And I know that, like, that's not the series we're getting here. That's this is that was just a prologue, and like, here we go. This is it. The next episode is like we're getting the discovery. We're getting like this is where the story's gonna go. Now I'm worried. Now I'm like, yeah, it's, it's like they're doubling down on the introduction. It's like the part that had you yawning and bored. We have to go through all over again because of this setup. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. I, I have a feeling though that they're not gonna drag out the introduction of the discovery i if they're smart because because the second episode ends with her being court-martialed for mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah, thing, right. which is hilarious that she you know because she she attacked her captain yeah. right she yeah. incapacitated her with the vulcan neck pinch she she like disobeyed orders she basically committed mutiny and so of course she has to be court-martialed and she gets sentenced to like life in jail and i was like whoa they're not playing around right. um and then the previews for the next episode are that she, you know, she gets recruited to be on this ship. I, I don't think that they're going to drag that out. I think if they're smart, they're going to like get us on the discovery quickly now because we've got this set up. Now here's the discovery. Here's the crew. Here's what they want her to do. Let's go off and have our adventure now and, and, you know, deal with the Klingon war that's been started. Now, how many episodes is this thing going? They're splitting it up into two halves, so it's like gonna stop in, like, it's gonna stop in a in a, in a couple months, in, right? Um, in in, in mid January, yeah. no, or or the beginning of January, it's gonna take a break, yeah, and then it's gonna come back, and I think it's a total of fifteen, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. It got a larger order. It was supposed to originally be less than that, and then I think that they were. 
really pleased with how it was turning out, and so they ordered more episodes. And what had me really worried is that they had this embargoed, um, reviews embargoed until the <laughs> night, until the day it released. And so it, that had me really worried. And then I was starting to hear, like, you know, people that had watched it or whatever, they were saying, like, oh, it's really, really good. And so, because um, I think they released. Uh, was it like the first two episodes to critics early? Um, and then, you know, information, I guess, started to slip out that it was really good. Uh, question, Rebecca, because like I, you know, I love Brian Fuller. Brian Fuller left it. I think Brian Fuller has set up enough of this season from what I've heard to where like they know the direction of the show. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like, you know, the Kelvin universe, the Prime universe. It's really, it is, I, it is weird that. Alex Kurtzman's involved in this, and the only universe that I know that he's been involved with was the Kelvin universe with sure. uh, with the yeah. Abrams films. So, like, is is Kurtzman still on this thing? Do you know? Um, I I have a feeling that Kurtzman left when um when um Fuller left. I think. Okay. I think so. Um. Because, yeah, there, there was, like, a big thing about Brian Fuller and Alex Kurtzman, like, setting this up. And then you're right. Then they, they left. I, I believe they both left at the same time. But, I I mean, the way that it's been set up for us and, and the way that they've marketed it from the very beginning was it's 10 years before TOS and we're going to get the war with the Klingons. And I think that this prologue kind of shows us how it all started. And I think we're going to, I'm hoping we're going to get a lot of really great space battles in here where we'll see, you know, the discovery engage the Klingons here and there. And, and, um, but I mean, and what, what's great about Trek is, you know, it's, it's, it's a discovery show. Um, huh. Discovery show. It's, it's a show about exploration (laughs) And, and, and discovering the universe. So I'm interested to see if they'd stay true to that as they, if they keep discovering new things and they keep exploring and, and engaging with the Klingons and how they set up like, like the neutral zone and all that. I mean, space battles are, are all fine and dandy and I want to see that too. But at the end of the day, what I really want to see is a crew with gate, like really good chemistry. That sure. we can start doing these like classic, you know, Star Trek like gimmick episodes with like, you know, we're switching personalities. We're seeing what happens when they get drunk. We're seeing what happens when they get over-sexualized. You know, just like the classic, like, bending human emotion to the limit with all these great characters type of Star Trek. I hope it's not just, wow, look at these awesome special effects for 15 Right. No, That's I, what I'm worried about. I well, totally hear yeah. what you're saying. I'm just wondering how much of that, because this has not been set up as, like, and and not that like next generation was silly, but it had its lighthearted moments for sure, as all Trek does. Um, to me though, these first two episodes they have set a serious tone, which is interesting. Like as you said, Brian, to see what episode three shows us. If episode yeah. three changes the tone, well, now we can kind of see where it's going to go. Um, but I think they're definitely setting up Michael as like this tortured soul kind of a person. She's been through a whole lot. Obviously, you know, and we saw, I mean, we saw that her parents were killed by the Klingons, right? We saw that she was raised on Vulcan, the only human to attend the Vulcan Learning Academy, and she's super logical. And now we see, 
you know, her relationship with, with Philippa, seven years they served together and she looks on her as like a mother figure. And now she's lost another parental figure again. And they've set her up to have a lot of like dramatic and, and, and like drama issues and, and maybe as the show goes on, you know, we'll see how she maybe learns to get over that kind of stuff or, or learns to at least deal with it and how she interacts with the crew. You know, I, I, I'm satisfied with the first two episodes because the first two episodes did, for me, what the last two movies did not. And it set up a really great villain, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the last two movies that we've got in theaters – the the villains were terrible, in my yeah. opinion. I mean, you know, <laughs> Idris Elba. I I love the guy, but like, you know, and he was better than um, uh, Sherlock. Cumberbatch. Yeah, Cumberbatch. He was better than Cumberbatch, um, but I don't know. I, I felt like that's what did it for me. Yeah, I I think like we can't get to know the crew until we get this prologue out of the way, and I. And I right. guess we'll find out how much this prologue is going to pay off as the season goes forward. So yeah, I don't know. I imagine that the stuff about you know her being a kid with um, Sarek being her dad is going to be the the big payoff to a lot of this stuff. Well, I also well, think yeah. the relationship, real quick, real quick, uh, the relationship between her and Michelle Yeoh, um, the captain, is going to be another yeah. big thing. Georgietto, I could never catch her name. Geppetto. Uh, Geppetto. <laughs> <laughs> Philippa Giorgio. I was close. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to put Sarek in this because if you put Sarek in this, you can put Spock in this. And God knows uh, Spock is the most popular character cut to come out of Star Trek. So if you're going to have a Star Trek show, a Star Trek movie, you better throw some Spock in there to <laughs> make the fans happy because – I mean, it's 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 what they love, right? Spock. Yeah. Why make it a prequel if you're not going to have fan service? Exactly. 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 So, I, I would I would rather have if I if I had my druthers. If someone said to me, Rebecca, you pick the next series. What are we going to do? I would have said right away, give me something after Voyager. I want to see what's going on now in the Federation after Voyager. Yes. If you're, if you're right, but if you're going to give me a prequel, then you better give me a Spock because. Spock is alive in this time period, so show me a Spock, even if it's just a young Spock. I want to see it. Yeah, love the effects, love the captain. I, I just hope there's a crew to back it up and some, some yeah. great chemistry there. I hope that was enough for you, Trekkie 1981. <laughs> hope that was not. enough for you. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. critique. What, tell us what we did wrong. Tell us the information we got wrong. Uh, tell us we need to ditch the chick. You know, give us, you know, go through the whole fucking bullet points of your fucking bullshit. Eh, whatever. Guys. I remember one of our, I remember one of our early episodes, we got like reamed across the coals by some listener because we pronounced it track. Oh, it was me. Track. Cause I, I said, that's just, oh I think that's God. like my, is that the mid, like Midwest accent? The way we say that? Yeah, I, I don't know, but it was just like, I remember that was like the first dose of, Wow, these are some nitpicky fucks out there. Yeah, I remember in, in that. PCL. Yeah, yeah, because I when I used to say Star Trek, that's just how I've always said it, and I and and they want me to say Star Trek. So I've been trying to like say Star Trek 
Oh man, I didn't even think about you being still self conscious about that all this all these years later. Yeah, fuck that dude. Let's find out his name and call him a cunt. Yeah, exactly. No, but wait, but 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 the real question is, do you say pop or soda? That's the real issue here. Oh, that that was an early discussion <laughs> too. Yeah, I've oh, never wait, said I see what you did there. I've never said pop. No, it's I've never pop. said pop either. Soda. Yeah, Everyone it is soda. That. Yeah. Well, I usually just call it by whatever the fuck it is, you know? Yeah. Have that's, a Pepsi. Yeah. That's a Coke. That's a Diet Mountain Dew. Pop. I just call it all Pepsi no matter what it is. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what you're getting, but I'm going to call it a Pepsi. Ah, see, I don't like that either. No, no, you're not supposed to. Only I get the joke. Ah. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back with some Pop Culture Leftovers news. Okay. back and it is time now for the pop culture leftovers news oh no what was that what the, oh no i said i don't know it's next oh, oh. <laughs> i thought you said oh no I, I'm, I'm, I'm just confused i'm confusing everybody this episode <laughs> Everything I do. I got, I got real worried. It's all confusing, you know. Anyway, uh, Keanu Reeves uh, wants Tilda Swinton for John Wick 3. So uh, they work together on Constantine, and he is. Uh, he was talking to People Magazine, and uh, he is all on board for her joining John Wick 3. Um, th- th- this is not – I'm not saying, like, she's in talks. Like, I'm not saying this. This is just – this is uh, Keanu Reeves' opinion about like who he would like to see join the cast for John Wick Three, and he was just telling them that yeah, I'd like to see Tilda Swinton on the project. So um, with him saying this, I I, I do think that there's a fifty fifty chance of her actually being in this if if it's something that she would be interested in, and maybe he's just trying to put like the word out there to see if there's like. You know, positive fan reaction to this. Like, oh, yeah, I'd like to see her join this, you know, uh, assassin universe. You know, and I think, like, for me, I'm thinking, like, oh, they'll probably just make her, uh, like, you know, the head of, like, some, like, assassin, I don't know, league yeah, or something. Know. But I, I would, I, 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 I want to see her. What I'm trying to say is, like, I want to see her as an assassin. I don't want to see her, like, pulling the strings of shit. I want to see Tilda Swinton kicking ass and being an assassin in this world if she was in the film. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's a 50-50. Him just putting it out there means that it's going to get the talks happening. And there's a good if she wants to do it, she's probably in. And I completely agree with the casting, too. I think um, if you do too much of the mentor or assassin master, you're getting a little bit too close to the Doctor Strange role. So I, I, I agree. I want to see her as an assassin. 
assassin kicking some serious ass. Rebecca, do you like uh, do you like John Wick? Do you watch John Wick? I haven't seen it. What the one. fuck? I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have no. That's a long story. I just I have not seen either one yet. Oh, it's, it's a the long it's, story. It's, no, it's you the have, like, some kind of it's the dog. Version? It's, it's the, the dog. Oh. It's the dog. I can't. I cannot bring myself to watch that yeah. first. And it was like just fast forward it, and I I will get around to it. It's just I I get really traumatized by that stuff. Rebecca, so, just just if you do watch it, if you do watch it, just I know you know this, but just remember to yourself that the dog is fine. The, I know the dog is fine. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. And then also. If it affects you that much, I will send you a pound puppy in the mail. <laughs> wow, those things are worth some money. I had a pound puppy when I was little. My sister did too. She had a she had a few pound puppies. Yeah. Were there other animals too? Uh, like other pound animals? Yeah, didn't they like expand the market and have like pound kitties and pound I penguins? Think they did. And... I think they had. I don't know if they had pound penguins, but I think they had other ones. I think there was <laughs> there were cats, and yeah. I think maybe there were rabbits or something. Maybe like like pound bunnies yeah. or whatever. But yeah, yeah, there were a few. Every time yeah. I go to fucking PetSmart, they're always trying to push a penguin on me. Yeah, <laughs> could you please give this penguin a good home? Oh, that would be awesome. I've got like no, I got a couple of them fucking waddling around in my fucking freezer right now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I podcasted over at your oh, place next week. Freezer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a walk-in. <laughs> he's got slabs of meat hanging down. You know he's yeah. a big Rocky fan. Yeah. Well, that's true. So you just go in there, you just start punching the sides of beef, and the penguins just waddling around. Yeah, you're yeah. a wrecking machine, Brian. You're a wrecking <laughs> no, but they, these penguins are traumatized. They they just see me beating flesh. Yeah, all the meat pounding. I named them. I named them Chili and Willie. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like oh it. Yeah. Chili Willie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm 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 coming over next week to podcast. Mm. I want to see the penguins. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, they're sweet little guys, man. They're sweet little guys. Anyway, the Snowpiercer TV show has begun production for TNT. Uh, director of the pilot episode, Scott Derrickson. Uh, our uh, director for Doctor Strange, so he's directing the pilot episode of Snowpiercer. Uh, he's uh, he's doing that. But uh, Bong Joon-ho, the director of the film, uh, which starred Chris Evans, is also involved in the process, uh, the project. Uh, he recently did the Akja film. You watched that though, didn't you, Rebecca? I did, but I had to. But but I, someone had to tell me if Okja died or not before I watched it. That's uh, way worse though. <laughs> that like John, John Wick is like. Five minutes of sadness, and that's like a whole movie centered around it. Yeah, right. I I cried a lot watching Oak Show. Yeah, we got you got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal like putting like that needle thing in the oh jeez oh that was terrible horrible oh I had a hard time watching that movie so yeah, I yeah. Too. anyway uh, Josh Friedman the writer from Sarah Connor Chronicles is also involved in this and he says the narrative is going to be an ongoing mystery. So that's and yeah, we got Murder on the Orient Express coming out. So now we got Snowpiercer, the TV show. That poor show. guy. He hasn't done anything notable since fucking Sarah Connor Chronicles. That's oof. oh, he's working he on a lot of stuff. I mean, he's working on the new Terminator films that are coming out. And what else is he working on currently? He's working on another thing. 
but yeah, I mean, that's what he's most notable for. So yeah, yeah. um, that's that's why I brought that up. But yeah, um, ongoing mystery. Like, is it the same mystery that we saw in the actual film? Like, the mystery on the train in the film is like, you know, like what's what's in the other, you know. carts on this train like what's what's at the what's at the front of the train who who is at the front of the train you know uh there's like a class system set up on this train and so like what's is it going to be a totally different mystery on the snowpiercer tv show for tnt this ongoing mystery or are they kind of gonna stick to a little bit of the source material stuff here so it'll be interesting to see i hope it's something completely different you know I feel like it has to be just to in case it it's a hit you want this thing to go you know a few seasons you don't want to have a brick wall set up right at the beginning yeah so how long I'm are they going to keep this thing on the train though you know is that is yeah. that good? I mean you got, if you're calling it Snowpiercer you think that the oh, the whole series would be set on the train but like how are they really going to do that and like when you're watching the show are you seriously going to be hearing a train in the background the entire fucking time I bet they make the classic mistake in part two's on a boat. Mm. Ah, speed. <laughs> Fucking speed. And they, they can't go l- lower than, what, 60 miles season, an hour or season Four knocks. Season two, season two will have Jason Patrick, and it's going to be called Snowpiercer, Cruise Control. <laughs> Cruise Control. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Snowpiercer, that- carpool lane. Well, the sequel to, to Speed was Speed 2, Cruise Control. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It was terrible. It was, to, it was so bad. Anyway, Amazon. What's that? I said poor Sandra Bullock. Yeah. She needed money back then. She didn't have her notoriety quite yet. Amazon. She got a better start, though, than Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston yeah. started in, like, uh, Leprechaun. Remember yeah, that? that's true. <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh, God. <laughs> Amazon is developing a television series based on uh, Greg Rucka's image comic, Lazarus. Have either of you read any of Lazarus? No, I don't read Greg Rucka. I love this book. It is absolutely fantastic. Um, If you like the show Into the Badlands, you are going to love Lazarus, either the comic book or even the TV show, it sounds like. Um, I'm really excited for this. It's set in a future where the world has been divided into 16 large land areas. Each of these land areas is ruled by one family. Each family rules their region in a feudal system that divides people into three tiers, family, serfs, and waste. Uh, The families have formed alliances to protect themselves from other families, and each family has a chosen warrior known as a Lazarus who represents them in combat. So forever is the Lazarus for the Carlisle family. And she is an amazing character. I love forever. They call her forever Carlisle. And she obeys. What network did you say? Amazon. This is going to be on Amazon streaming, Amazon prime streaming. And, um, this is, uh, I, am really, really excited for this. I, it's, um, it's a great comic book. Um, I have a few issues behind, but like I've read like the first, two and a half trades and i love this fucking series it is so good and she's a badass and um basically these are people that have died that come back as fighting warriors and she's starting to remember parts of her past it's very very good and 
you've got Amazon doing it, and Amazon's been making some great programming. Um, and Legendary Entertainment, who you'll know them from, like, they, they were with Warner Brothers. They did, like, uh, the Batman films with Nolan. They did the, the Man of Steel film. And then uh, they moved on. Now they're with Universal, but they're still doing things for Warner Brothers. They did Godzilla. They're doing the upcoming Godzilla 2. Uh, but legendary television is going to be working on this as well. So, like, that has me very, very excited. We've got legendary television and Amazon, and hopefully they'll get Greg. I hopefully I'll hear an announcement that Greg Rucka is going to be involved in this somehow. But I am a Lazarus fucking TV series. I'm excited. So that's I know you guys haven't read it or anything like that. But like for our listeners that have read it and that do love this series. I hope that they're excited to see this on TV as well because this is going to be what's awesome. The t- what's the timetable here next year? There is no timetable. It's um, They're developing the series right now. It's it's in the very early stages. I would imagine that we'll probably get it sometime in 2019, but um, I don't know 100%. So. Okay. Yeah, I, I just added the first trade to my cart on Amazon. Nice. It, it sounds really neat. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read the first trade. It's it's really cool. Like when Into the Badlands first came out, I was like, this reminds me of Lazarus. And like now we're getting a Lazarus mm-hmm. TV show on Amazon. And with Amazon, they're going to be able to get away with a lot more <laughs> than even like um, AMC does. So I'm really looking forward to this. Cool. Uh, Terminator 6 has a, an official release date. Uh, Rebecca, we haven't talked to you about We're going to get into a little bit more of this uh, Terminator 6 stuff. I'll give out the release date. July 26, 2019, and that is one week after Jon Favreau's Lion, live-action Lion King comes out. So it's got Ooh. that to compete with. So, hmm. um, yeah, it, it's only going to get – Lion King's going to get one week to kind of like stretch its legs and see what it can do. And then it's got to go up against the Terminator. Um, I still think Lion King's going to beat the Terminator. I really, yeah, really do. I really do. <laughs> um, that Lion King's going to be huge. So, uh, Rebecca, I, 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 have you been yeah. following this at all? And what are your thoughts on a, on a Terminator film coming out, Terminator 6? Yeah, I've, I've been following uh, the story um, mostly because James Cameron won't shut the fuck up about Wonder Woman. Oh, so okay. yeah, <laughs> let's showing up. Let's try to leave, let's try to like let's try to like separate. Uh, if you want to talk about that, that's fine. Yeah, I'm just trying. Like, your, but your thoughts on Terminator Six coming oh, out? Like, no, no, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 the only reason why it's really on my radar is because James Cameron keeps coming up for other things, and then, yeah. then he's like, oh, by the way, Terminator Six. Right. Um, I've seen Terminator the first two, yeah, which I loved. I thought they were. But I haven't seen them like super recently, but I remember I loved them both. I don't think I've seen any Terminator movies past that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm quite sure I haven't actually. And I mean, I don't. I don't understand this at all. Um, if you're gonna keep going, if if you're gonna do a new Terminator movie, then give me new people. Give me new characters. Mm-hmm. I Arnold Schwarzenegger is going to be like ninety five years old when he co- when this movie comes out. Like, what are they going to do with him? And Linda Hamilton, I mean, she was great in the first two, but like, I, I don't, 
I, I, I said this on a post on, on Facebook. I, I feel like James Cameron ate a, ate a bunch of those member berries. And now he's just like, hey, remember when Terminator was a thing? Remember? Here's more. And I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, yeah, I, I I don't need it. (laughs) I don't need this movie. (laughs) That's what we've been saying all along. It's like to make us care about Terminator. I think you really need to switch it up a lot more than they've been doing. Move on. Give us new people and not Christian Bale again. Like, give us new people in this Terminator franchise if that's what you, if you want to take it into the next, you know, the next generation. Like, give us new people. Yeah, Christian Bale flipping out on set audio is the best thing to happen in a oh, Terminator God. movie since that, Terminator 2. That guy's such an asshole in real life. Like, he's just not a good person, but I mean, whatever. Yeah, I just, I, I just don't get this. I mean, I mean, Brian, I know you're a huge fan of Terminator yeah. 1 and 2, and I mean, what do you think? I, I'm more interested to hear what you think. You're like, this is like your your movie. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll get to that. There's a little bit more news that came out this week, um, confirmation um, that uh, this is a direct sequel to Terminator 2 Judgment Day. I touched on it last week, but I fucked up. Yeah. I said um, – I said that uh, Arnold came out and said that uh, Salvation was not canon. He actually came out and said Genesis was not canon. Um, so when he made that statement, it led me to believe that, you know, of course, all the other films that Cameron didn't make were not canon as well. And that's, that was confirmed this week. Um, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, uh, Rise of the Machines, Salvation, and Genesis are not canon. And uh, James Cameron said, this is a continuation of the story from Terminator 1 and Terminator 2, and we're pretending the other films were a bad dream or an alternate timeline, which is permissible in our multiverse. This was really driven more by Tim, talking about Tim Miller, the director, than anybody, surprisingly, because I came in pretty agnostic about where we took it. The only thing I insisted on was that we somehow revamp it and reinvent it for the 21st century. Um, so it's a But direct, if you're going to revamp yeah. and reinvent, why are you bringing everybody back? Like, to me, that means two yeah. different things. I mean, is it just me? But that just means two different things to me. Yeah, it seems that is crazy to me. Re, re, reinvent and revamp is exactly with, what they're not doing. But with the same people, but then that's not revamping and that's not reinventing. That's. That's doing the, what you did before, which if that's what you're going to do, then just say that that's what you're going to do. Well, yeah. by revamping, they're talking about the way that they're going to be introducing Arnold. Guys, I'm not playing devil's advocate. I'm just kind of like letting you know what they're, yeah. what they're saying. No, no, you're just letting us know yeah. the news. The, I, I I understand. They they And I'm confused by this as well. And I, I think I'm confused by the media outlets because – they originally have come out and said, you know, that Arnold is going to be be playing the basis for the T-800, the, the human version of the T-800 and why that is important to this story. So – but I've also read other articles where they kind of like flippantly just throw in there that he's also coming back as – he'll also be playing a T-800. And I don't know if that's the person writing the story not knowing what the fuck they're talking about because I'll click on a very – th- that article where they mention that, they mm-hmm. give a link where it's supposedly discussed. 
So I click on that link, and there is no quote or confirmation that he's also actually playing a T-800 in that film as well. So I don't know where that idea is coming from. I was just under the impression that he was going to be playing the basis for the T-800. So if he does end up playing an actual T-800 in the film or multiple T-800s in the film, I won't be surprised, but I don't have confirmation either way. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, maybe I mean, he could very well be both, the creator and another freaking robot, you know? I was thinking they'd probably open up a fucking warehouse of these things, you know? And then... <laughs> And, and then we get a stupid scene like we did in The Matrix where we've got like a hundred Neos or whatever the fuck or a hundred Mr. Andersons or whatever it was. I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was the Andersons. Andersons. It, I, it's been like 15 years since I've seen that shit. All um, the effects in that look like garbage. It looks like action figure fucking theater like you're watching Robot Chicken. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, Tim Miller also wanted to discuss Arnold's age. Rebecca brought that up earlier. Um, are you an ageist? What's going on there, Rebecca? I'm not an ageist. I just have time <laughs> believing an elderly German man can do all that stuff. He's Austrian. I, yeah. He's Austrian. Austrian. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Austrian. Yeah. I mean, even, even Data knew that he had to die because you can't, as a robot, you can't age. So it's stupid. So I'm an ageist. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you're both I'm ageist. I think... I think he's old. I think he can do anything. You know, his mind is strong. No, whatever. I'm just fucking. Except right. look young. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, they can do. They, they. I mean, they've made him look young in two other films. You know, he fought his younger self in Genesis, and then in Salvation, they 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 did a CG young Arnold. Made, they made him look exactly the way he looked in Terminator, the original film. So they can age that character down. I'm just saying, like. Okay, Tim Miller talked about the age. He discussed it briefly. He said, I haven't talked to Arnold about this, so I could get in trouble. But because he's been in all the other movies, unlike Linda, I do think there needs to be a reason to be a, to be different here. I like my sci-fi grounded. I like my characters grounded. And what Jim said about the exterior aging while the interior remains the same. Well, not the interior as in the brain. As emotionally and intellectually, he will have a, he will have evolved. Uh, they're learning machines, but that's a way to make it different than it was. Even in Genesis, he looked. I should stop. He he was a slightly gussied up version of the old Terminator. I think we should embrace his age, and that's what's going to make it interesting and fresh for the fans. So I don't know. Uh, I guess we just need to embrace his age and stop being ageist. Hmm. I don't know. This whole thing doesn't make sense to me. Um, like, uh, if the story's going to take place now in our time period, well, it wouldn't take place now in our time period. The um, what year was? Uh, I think it wasn't um, Terminator Two. Didn't that take place in nineteen ninety five? No, the the film came out in ninety one, but the actual film. Was was uh, ni- was set in 1995, I believe. I could be wrong. Mm. Um, I think you're right. I remember that being a deal that it was set like just a few years ahead of when it came out. Right, because the original Judgment Day took place like where you know when she's watching uh, 
everybody get burned and, and to a cinder, you know, like and when she's watching that, that happens in 1997. So this is post 1997. So like they've stopped that from happening, but it's still looming. So I don't know. I, it's going to be interesting to see like what happens, what's so different in this one. I still think like the only, you know, like kill John Connor off and let's, 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 uh, let's see what they do without John, their savior. Let's let's do that. Let's see what the fuck they do. But like they got to introduce new characters too, Rebecca. They just can't have like two fucking old people, you know, with their, no, you know. I, I agree. Yeah. So it, it just it just doesn't make yeah. I I mean, even if you wanted to do like a little fan service and have like a little cameo or something, I mean, if you have to do it, okay. But like that. But like this is the first news coming out. Like, like oh my gosh, they're coming back for this movie, and it's like. Well, if you want to go somewhere different, then shouldn't that be, like, your main focus news? Like, shouldn't that be the big news of, like, we have brand new characters? Like, to me, that's something that should be hyped more. Well, I think, I think like, once we get uh, once we get more casting, like, once we get more casting, they might not release any details about those characters. But, like, if they cast, like, a, another big-name actor in this, we're going to know – that we've either got like our new villain or we've got like a new hero. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Like mm-hmm. the first male that they, with, uh, the first white male with brown hair that they cast, <laughs> we're going to be like, oh, there's our next John Connor, you know? So right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I uh, James Cameron, yeah, come on. You and Tim Miller work on this. And if this one fails, then just, let's put Terminator to bed. Let's just put it to bed. And, uh, you know, because this is, this is it, this is it for it. I mean, they've given it, they get rise of the machines came out, um, you know, before Arnold became the governor, then he, he, then he came back and they did, uh, salvation. And then, um, no, he wasn't, he wasn't, they just used his likeness in salvation. And then he came back and did Genesis and that flopped. And I mean, so now, now they've, now they've got James Cameron saying, yeah, I'm going to help produce this thing. I'm going to help write this thing. And if this one flops, I think they just need to abandon the Terminator franchise because, like, people have moved mm-hmm. on. So yeah, that's my opinion. I I still think Cameron is uh, is is brilliant when it comes to setting up action set pieces. Um, True Lies has great action set pieces. Terminator Two has m- some of the best action set pieces, some of the most memorable action set pieces in film history, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Aliens. Yes, if he can, I mean, if and if he can kind of like pull that off here, um, I'll be happy. I mean, I want to see some memorable action set pieces because I always look forward to that. You know, the guy knows how to do great action scenes. And so give me that. It's just like – and I felt like Terminator 2 had so much fucking heart too. Like I loved it. Like the first one had oh, yeah. a lot of horror and I love the horror element in the first one, you know. Um, and then, um, the second one just had a lot of heart between him and the, him, you know, the Terminator and the boy and, and, um, you know, the mother being reunited with her son. And I, you know, I love Terminator two so much. And I, I just don't think you can recapture that now. And especially now that I'm older and more cynical and jaded when it comes to films, they really have to kind of like blow me away with like reboots and sequels and all this shit. So. I don't know. I think it'd work if if they reboot the whole thing a lot more easier than what they're doing now, honestly. 
they, they, they see the thing is like they reboot it without rebooting it. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. Like Genesis is. I don't know. I don't, it's like they instantly are going to have nowhere to go, though. Like, let's say best case case scenario, they fucking make another good Terminator movie, and it's a miracle, right? Yeah. But it's like still like they they've. I feel like they've already painted themselves into a corner. We're going to make another Arnold Linda Hamilton movie after this. Like I don't know. It just. Do they really? Can they like, just wrap it up, though? I mean, does Tim Miller yeah. have to come back? And can they just wrap it up, or or, or are they going to be like, "Oh, this was a huge success. Let's let's do another one." If you know, if the end game is to put a big bow on the Terminator and do an awesome send off movie, then I applaud that. If that's really, but it's hard to not believe that the greed is there and can, that the hope is that they can do three of these. Okay, right? let, let's. You know what? I am – yeah, they're going to be greedy. I, 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 The studio will be greedy if it's successful. Um, let's go back to like – Rebecca, it was interesting that you did bring up the James Cameron, Wonder Woman kind of like, you know, the, that <laughs> those statements. Do you think yeah. that those statements are actually going to play a lot into the Sarah Connor that we're going to get in this film? Because I do. I think with him making those statements, he's got a lot planned for Linda Hamilton now. I think we're going to get a Linda Hamilton in this film – that is even more seasoned, and that's going to be kicking a lot more ass in this film with those statements. He's going to want to come out and kind of prove that. Even though Tim Miller is directing this thing, I think Tim Miller is going to listen to James Cameron because these are his characters, and he's going to he's going to want to listen to James Cameron and do right by him. Um, so I feel like I feel like we're going to get. I, I, that's what I'm worried about. Like, are we going to get like a? Uh, a Sarah Connor that's like half John Wick, half Atomic Blonde, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that he can't shut up about how how wrong Wonder Woman is, he's he's thrown down the gauntlet at this point. He's basically said, and I'm I'm paraphrasing obviously, he's saying, I'm the one who wrote the definitive tough female character when I wrote Linda um Linda Hamilton. Sarah Connor. Sorry, I was oh, yeah. I was combining the two names in my head. I was going to say Linda Connor. Um, he's he's basically thrown down that gauntlet. So now, if he really wants to make good on those words, then he'd better come up with like whatever he thinks is like the biggest baddest ass woman on the face of the planet to uh, see. Now this is what a real woman does, and. I, I mean, I think he should just shut up about about all of this. I well, I don't, I don't think this should be like I don't I, like I don't I don't like how this is like, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I don't like I don't like how it it, it the subtext here is like uh, it's Wonder Woman versus Sarah Connor. Like I th- I think there's room for both characters, and I, I still oh, think absolutely. Like a- even after his statements, like I would never be like, well. Well, fuck, fuck Sarah Connor now. You know, I, I I think there's room for both characters. I think like yes, like one is a little bit more emotionally damaged than the other, um, but I think there's right, room but- for both stories. I I just don't like that James Cameron has turned this 
into like Wonder Woman versus Sarah Connor. That that pisses me off. And so I yeah, exactly. That's just what I was gonna say, is that he's the one who's making it about Wonder Woman versus Sarah Connor. No one else is. I I have room in my heart for both of those characters and I love them in different ways and I enjoy their performances in different ways. They're very different people. They're very different women playing those characters. And and as it should be. But for he he's making it about Wonder Woman versus Sarah Connor when he said that he wrote the definitive, you know, tough female character. Well, I mean, that that's just dumb because no one person can say, I understand women or anybody so well that my def- my definition of what a, a badass woman or a tough woman is, is the only definition. We're all of us complex human beings and creatures. So that that's just it's just so stupid that he just keeps making this about somehow you have to pick a side and it's like no i don't have to pick a side i can love wonder woman for how she solved her problem by learning to love humanity and i can admire sarah connor for doing anything it took to save her kid and being badass and you know shooting up everything in her path i can admire both women and still and still be a complete woman myself. Yeah, that's what I love about like Sarah Connor. She feels like that mother lion. You know what I mean? That yeah, just like exactly. She's like, you know what? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, you know, I may look, you know, uh, you know, like big cats may may not. They can look, they can look cute. You can look at a lion do something cute, but you got to remember they got fucking claws and teeth, and that's what happened to Mother Lion in that movie. And she just yep. went, she went off the hinges. And uh, she did whatever it was, whatever it took to protect her son. And uh, I, I love that character too. I think there's room for both. I just don't – what I'm worried about is like when this movie finally does come out, I'm worried about criticism about the character from um, critics and from fans. And that's something that I don't want to see happen. I hope that Linda Hamilton can just nail the role and people can kind of like forget about like what James Cameron said and just like – you know, just Can real- I say something about yeah. the James Cameron Wonder Woman stuff here? Yeah. Sorry to butt in here. No, but, go ahead. Um, the um, A lot of this, I think, honestly, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it's calculated media grabs by James Cameron to get attention for his projects. Yeah, yeah. Like, I it really feels that way to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, hey, pay more attention to Avatar 2 through 9 and my Terminator stuff that I got brewing. Um, the way I can get media is, hey, Wonder Woman is a bad movie. Yeah, because no. Wonder Woman's the hot thing right now, and of course, you know, to compare that character to one of his, I mean, yeah, it's going to get some articles written, and then also people are going to be talking about Avatar. I I, I agree. You know, and he, it's the fact that he did it more than once too. Like when he does, yeah. when he starts doing it a second time, yeah. well, he at that point he knows the media attention he got from the first time he did it. Well, now and you got, now he's doing it again. You got Linda Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman, defending it as well. So like now it's become like a full blown kind of like uh, media war between them, the social media war. So yeah, and you know all press is uh, even bad press is good press. So you know yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, James Cameron, he's a little bit despicable. Yeah. Let's talk about this news from Deadline. Uh, Deadline had an article saying it was the highest grossing film ever to come out of Japan, earning $355.2 million worldwide when it was released last year. It held the top spot for 
12 non-consecutive weeks in the country and also became the highest grossing Japanese film ever to release in China with $85.6 million. Now, Paramount Pictures and Bad Robot have joined with Japan-based Toho Company to bring your name to worldwide audiences as a live-action feature with Oscar-nominated screenwriter Eric Heisserer from Arrival. We talked about that movie earlier on board to pen the script. Um, Your name... I saw this in the theater. This came out last year in Japan. I don't know if it was released here in the U.S. theatrically last year, but I saw it theatrically this year and um, after Jared Gafford kind of reviewed it on the show previously. I absolutely loved this movie. It tells the story of a teenage boy and a girl from different backgrounds who discover they can swap bodies. They become desperate to cross space and time to find a way to meet and stop an impending disaster. Um, and um, this with this is so weird for me because we've seen a lot of this whitewashing with Hollywood. Um, That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah me that, too. J.J. <laughs> Abrams recently has been trying to be more inclusive when it comes to um, – and we've seen that with The Force Awakens. We've seen – we, you know, uh, he cast uh, John Boyega, African American, uh, in these films uh, for The Force Awakens. Uh, we've seen him. You know, we've got a female lead in that film. He's tried to be a lot more inclusive. We're getting, you know, we got Lupita Nyong'o playing Maz Kanata. You know, he he has been trying to be, uh, you know, because Star Wars. I mean, other than Lando, it was it was a lot of you know white actors, and so. You know he's tried to he's tried to be more inclusive when it comes to like other uh, uh, races and things like that being involved in in these projects. So I, I got to commend him for that. But like for this, I don't know what he plans on doing. Is it because I don't think that this is going to be based. I don't think they're going to base this in Japan. I don't think that this is and and a lot of that movie is has to do with this. Disaster in Japan that that actually I mean that really affected J- Japan back in 2011. So I mean it has a lot to do with the culture there in Japan too, and that's a lot of the story. I think that this story could work if you did. I mean you can take elements of this story and just make it, I guess. A U.S. based. Will they or won't they localize it? That's the question, huh? Well, there's, you know, there's been talk of maybe, um, maybe they'll do it. One character is in the U.S. and the other character is in Japan. So maybe the boy is in the U.S. and the girl's in Japan or vice versa. Like that could be another option. But, you know, I, I, I think that the, the two, the two characters, it, that could work, I suppose. I don't know. I, I really don't know because I love, I love the team that they have heading this up. I JJ lo- Abrams is not confirmed to direct. Um, he is just developing this with Bad Robot. They do have Eric Heisserer from Arrival, who's penning the script. I, I like that that writer, um, and uh, I love Bad Robot, and. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of J.J. Abrams, but uh, it, it, a lot of this feels like, too, like J.J. Abrams has to do something for Paramount because he was 
under Paramount. He was under a contract for, uh, with Paramount. I think it was for – I forget how many years it was for. And he was basically yeah. obligated to do a certain amount of films for a certain amount of years with Paramount. Like, you know, J.J. signed like this big deal with them. And he pissed them off the first time he left to do The Force Awakens, and now he's doing it again, and they're really pissed. And I feel like part of this is like kind of like throwing Paramount a bone right now. I He definitely owes them another film, and I think that he will give them another yeah. – I think he will direct another film. I just don't know if he's going to direct your name. So I've read Disney's even going to end up giving Paramount like a stipend, basically. I don't know because of all that's been going on. Yeah, I've heard that rumor too. I don't know if that's like confirmed 100. percent Yeah, it's crazy though. Yeah, but as far as like this, as far as like this working in live action, I I don't think it's ever going to live up to if if they don't if they if they do make it this like 100 percent U.S. based. I don't think that it's it's going to be as impactful as it was um, in Japan because I feel like yeah, and it, this was not like a huge movie over here. I watched it and really enjoyed it, but I think it really affected the, um, the people in Japan because it was a, a very personal story about like a uh, you know like this this natural disaster that actually affected people. So. Um, J.J. Abrams seems like an odd choice here. I would have thought, like, I would have gone with like a Spike Jones or a Michael Gondry. He's not. He's like not. That. He's not confirmed to direct. It's just he's developing it. He's not. Okay, okay. He's not been signed on to direct. They they have not. They have not announced a director. So it's Bad Robot will be involved, and this writer Eric Heisserer will be involved, but they have not brought on uh, a director yet. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm interested in this project. I can't wait till uh, your name is uh, available on iTunes. I can show you how to watch it. Oh, uh, there you go. Yeah, it's awesome. Have you seen it, Rebecca? I haven't, um, but I'm just I'm on IMDb and it sounds incredible. It is. It it's, sounds really, really interesting. It's very, it's very good, satisfying ending. Um, okay. A lot of some comedy. I mean, when this boy goes into this girl and he's waking up and touching his boobs in the morning, it's really funny, you know. Um, it's it's uh, <laughs> it's 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 quite. Uh, a, and we get a lot of these, uh, you know, body switching movies, and usually they're used for comical purposes, you know, like Freaky Friday and what was the Judge Reinhold Fred Savage one. Um, Oh, where the father gosh. and son switch places. Yeah, yeah, I I know exactly which one you're talking about. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's usually used for comedy, and there's comedy here. I mean, but you know, there is the, you have these kids that are both trying to work together, um, you know, to to get people safe out of this town before a natural disaster strikes and and and, and destroys this village. And and it's it's really it's really cool. Um, it's a really good movie. And you know, like she's worried about him, like destroying her reputation at school, and vice versa. And there's a lot of fun fun there. And um, so you know, and and uh, he's from like the big city, and she's not. She lives out in the country. So like when they switch bodies, she's in the big city, and she's just like in awe of this. Like here mm-hmm. she is in the big city. I. I, I think it's it's fantastic if you can watch your name. Definitely, um, definitely watch it because I, I think you'll like it. I'm I'm split on this because it's um, I, I actually I I don't want this I don't want it whitewashed, but I like the people that are involved in this. 
Um, you know, so it's uh, right now I would, if, if I had my choice, I would say, just don't make it because I don't, that's, I don't know what they're going to do here. So just Mm -hmm. don't make it. I think the anime is just enough. I think the anime is just enough. So we'll see. Um, another, I think this is this the last bit of news. Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? I don't know. What are we doing? God, I got so much fucking shit. Um, here we go. Uh, sorry, guys. I'm talking about myself. Joe and Anthony Russo are going to be uh, bringing uh, one of these comic book uh, comic book uh, TV shows to life here. They're going to executive produce an adaptation of the graphic novel Deadly Class for sci-fi. So sci-fi has been changing their whole network. They've been revamping it. They're like re-imaging all their stuff. Like we got Happy coming out. They're trying. They're giving us more series. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like a lot of sci-fi was like, weren't they throwing up like fucking reality shows and stuff? You know, I know Face Off and stuff like that. But they're trying to get into like more like a real original like drama series and science fiction series. Yeah, I think that's the yeah. way to go. That's the way to respect and yeah. to get repeat viewers and yeah. people coming back week after week. So they're, now they're doing Deadly Class, which uh, it's a book that I that I read and I think it's fantastic. It's uh, written by Rick Remender and uh, Wes Craig, and uh, it's it's basically it's set in the ni- uh, late 1980s and follows a disillusioned teen recruited into a storied high school for assassins. Um, maintaining his moral code while surviving a ruthless curriculum, vicious social cliques, and his own adolescent uncertainties may prove fatal. The Russos will executive produce. Um, and um, that's really all I have. I, I don't have a timetable as to when this is coming out. I don't know who they're going to have as like a showrunner on this one. But um, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope it's good because I, I really enjoy Deadly Class and like I think this has the potential to be good. I just I want sci-fi to get a little bit more edgy. I mean, they're doing Happy, which like the comic, the miniseries for Happy was. I know it, the, the title is Happy, but like there's a, there's a lot of blood and cursing and shit and violence mm-hmm. in that. And so like you know I want to see. You know, I want to be able to see Christopher Maloney drop the F-bomb, you know. But is that going to happen in this series? Probably not. So, you know, you know, I don't know. We'll see what they do with Deadly Class. Like, I want to see, like, hyper-violence. I want to see some violent shit happening in Deadly Class because, like, this is a school of young assassins and, and people die all the time in this in this comic. So, like, that's what that's what I want to see here. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking to for I'm looking forward to seeing you know who they cast and like what they do with this, but we'll see. Wow, there's so many ways if you're a uh, comic writer to get your uh, material out there now. Like the possibilities of making your comic into a TV show are endless. Right. In, in the, these days of media, with the streaming services and all these networks vying for like the next Walking Dead, basically. They're looking for it, man. They're looking for that next series that's going to just grab people. So. And the, the comics are a great place to look too. So, oh yeah, oh yeah, especially like the wealth of like these image books that are all these yeah. like perfect setups for these, you know, three to five season things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. Real quick, uh, Rick and Morty season four might get uh, more episodes than this. I mean, they're doing like ten season, ten episode seasons. It might get uh, it might go up to fourteen is what they're talking about. Dan Harmon wow. came out and said that they might do fourteen, 
And um, so that's exciting. Uh, this last story, if this happens, I'm going to be thrilled. Jake, I, you're going to be thrilled, I think, too. And again, like this is no way in development It's or even being like discussed really like with any network. But it doesn't mean that it couldn't happen either. Kevin McDonald, one of the comedians from the comedy troupe Kids in the Hall, was talking to news press and said this. He said, last night before I got on the plane, we got a Kids in the Hall group message to all of us. Lauren Michaels wants us to do what Mr. Show did and do like six episodes of sketches for something like Netflix. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, so. my. I love Kids in the Hall. Oh. oh, my God. They were so funny. Yes. <gasps> yes. Yes. I, oh, I, I, my I mean, I'm a huge Kids in the Hall fan. I've never seen them live. I should have. I don't know why I didn't. I probably just didn't have the funds at the time when they came mm. back and they got, you know, they did their reunion and all that shit and were touring. Um, I started watching them like really early. Uh, I had HBO at the time and would, would watch them on HBO. I got Bruce McCullough's fucking comedy CD, Shame Based Man. I probably listened to that thing like fucking 30 times. <laughs> and I used to be able to, <laughs> I used to quote it. I loved it. It, but, um, I'm a huge fan of the kids in the hall. And if this happens, if, if we get these guys back on TV, Dave Foley, Scott Thompson, Mark McKinney, Kevin McDonald, all these guys, I love them so much. If we get them back, I'm going to be thrilled. Because, like, what Netflix did with, like, Mr. Show is so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Lauren's probably the perfect guy to get them all together, too. I mean, oh, I forget which one of them's on that uh, sitcom already on NBC, so he's probably already a lock to do it. I'm sure Foley still has great relations with NBC as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that Lauren's the one trying to produce this, too. Yeah. Because in some ways it's direct competition against SNL as maybe, you know. Right. Well, it's, you know, but... You know, I mean, it's, it'll be on a streaming service is what it sounds like, possibly. Yeah, yeah, like the Mr. Show thing. Yeah. So it won't yeah. be like a direct competition. But, yeah, that's cool of Lauren to try to get this going. It's now or never kind of for this thing, too, I would say. Who is your favorite character that they did? They did a bunch of characters. Who's your favorite character? Oh, man, it's so terrible to say, but my favorite character was Cancer Boy. From the movie? <laughs> he wasn't just in the movie. He showed up in the movie later. He was a he was a TV staple. Oh, I didn't remember from from the series. Okay. See, and the the thing that really always stuck with me was the um. I mean, because Kids in the Hall was on HBO when we were in like grade school and stuff. So a lot of the juvenile grade school humor is what really stuck with me. So like the I'm squishing your head is something I still yeah. do to this day. Mm, yeah, me too. From Kids in the Hall. <laughs> I still do that too. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's I need to rewatch Kids in the Hall. I probably have not seen like original kids in the hall episodes for 20 years it's been a long time since i've watched them too man it's been a long mm-hmm. time man, so. i loved kids in the hall dude yeah like, where the hell is that available yeah exactly get that shit streaming like you know how they got their name right no i don't i i may have heard at some point but i can't recollect they used to um they used to hang out in the hallway. They used to write for Johnny Carson, and they used to hang out in the hallway. And when Johnny would go on to, you know, do his monologue, they would hand him jokes before he went out there. And um, every once in a while, Johnny would, before he'd like tell the joke, he'd say, uh, "This one came from the kids in the hall." And so that, mm. like, anytime he would read one of their jokes, 
that's you know it meant a lot to them and so like that's where they got their name the kids in the hall so i thought that that was kind of a they're just not called that for anything it's it, that's from johnny carson himself yeah that's a that's great a, that's a great origin yeah yeah that's a great story that's great all right uh shit uh yeah it's a lot better than this episode um let's uh <laughs> let's take a break and come back with marvel news okay <laughs> Making pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Making pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. Bacon pancakes. Bacon pancakes, making bacon pancakes. Take some bacon and I'll put it in a pancake. Bacon pancakes, that's what it's gonna make. All right, hey, we are back. We are going to be jumping into this week's Marvel news. This ep- this episode sucks so far, right? It's been okay. No, it doesn't suck. This is a good one. Speaking yeah, of things that are okay, all right, we'll talk. In, are you guys talking about Inhumans? <laughs> I guess this is a good one. <laughs> in Marvel news, we can't. Sure. All right, I'll let you guys talk about it. Here's the Marvel news bumper. Got to play that. Here we go. Marvel news. All right, guys, you guys have the floor. You can talk about Inhumans. I have not seen it. I have not watched it yet. It's just sitting. It's just chilling on my DVR. So you guys talk yeah. about it. Have at it. Yeah, I, I I deserve this one. I the only reason I suffered through this at this point with all the ridicule it's gotten was was to watch it and talk about talk about it with you. But here we here we are. <laughs> and uh, you did the right thing. Don't don't ever watch this. Um, I could not believe how bad it was. It was unbelievable. Like all the mockery and everything before it couldn't prepare me for just how stupid this was. Um, oh man. I, and I watched this right after I watched Star Trek Discovery actually, which was a bad idea. It made the effects look just awful. Um, oh man. Yeah. Anton Mount too, like delivers an act, actually a pretty good performance. He's really the only one that does, isn't like really camping it up. Yeah. And it's probably because they couldn't write dialogue for him. And I started to imagine that he wasn't allowed to speak on set and his like looks were demonstrating what he thought of the special effects and dialogue and story going on. And it, it like gave the show a whole new level. And I was like the second half just hysterically laughing at all of his <laughs> super serious, dramatic facial expressions at all the just crappery going around in front of him. So that's how you got through the show. Yeah, that was how I got through it. And I did yeah. not know that I could watch two episodes on Hulu. And, and I did not bear to try to watch any more than the first 42 minutes. Like it was wow. unbelievable. Even Lockjaw, who was like a fan favorite of mine and a bunch of people. I was like, well, it was just, at least it's going to have Lockjaw. And like Lockjaw looked cool, but like his interaction with the set and the people looked like some made for TV movie mid 90s stuff. Like wow. it was so awful. I, I just could not believe the effects going on here. Like, and I couldn't believe how 
seriously everyone was taking it too. Like I feel like from a creative standpoint, if this is the budget you have and the show you're going to make, like you can't take it this seriously. Like to make this work, I feel like you have to strike a different tone than what you struck here. Like it's just a bunch of jargon and serious gobbledygook. And not only are the effects bad, but it's the worst sin ever. It's just super boring. Wow, Rebecca uh, in humans. Um, I don't even know what I could add to this. Um, <laughs> so I, I will just say. I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they, I guess they talked about Inhumans or whatever on there. Um, and I have never read an Inhumans comic. I do not know much about these characters beyond what I've heard on other podcasts. So my knowledge, I'm not, I, I don't have any like special connection to these characters or anything like that. So having said all of that, um, th- the acting is just terrible. Like it's really, really, Bad. What Jake said about everybody's taking it very seriously could not be more true. Um, it, like, the, who's the girl who plays Medusa's sister? Her, I think her character's name is uh, Crystal. Crystal. Yeah, Crystal. I I felt like could they ha- could they should have gotten her an acting coach. She was like, but why? Why do we have to go right now? What is happening? <laughs> Oh no! Lockjaw, take him to Gorgon and come right back. I mean, it was terrible. She was terrible. The guy who plays um, Black, not Black Bolt. No, he was good actually. I I liked him a lot. That's Anson um, Mount. That's Anson Mount. Anson Mount. I thought he was pretty good actually, He's, uh, just with his yeah. emoting. If you like him, watch Hell on Wheels. And like he actually, I, I didn't read the article, but I kind of like skimmed over it. But uh, he came out and said like he was wanting to play Gambit. For the Gambit, yeah, I read that film. I yeah, read that. Uh, that would have been good casting. I thought even the actor from Game of Thrones that played Ramses is really ham-fisted and terrible too. Oh, I I was just about to say that. Like he's like Ramsey Bolton light. Like he's terrible in this. And then the thing is that like I I was very confused by the Terra Genesis machine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I had I had no. I had to stop watching <laughs> Rebecca and, and text Jordan and be like, "What is this? What is happening here? I don't understand." What's this. What's easier to understand, Rebecca, the Terra Genesis machine or the inter, or the Interocitor? Oh, I just snotted myself. Listen, I'm the Terra Genesis. No, no, no. The Interocitor is very clear because you put in the round wheel and you turn it to the right. Right, and yeah. then you get the butthead aliens. I understand the interocitor. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, this this machine, like I had no clue what was happening. They put them in these boxes, and they put some crystals in there, and then there's smoke, and they come out, and they've got powers or not. Who knows? I I was like. What is this? And then so it's like an easy it's bake. It's basically like mute, mutant meth. It's like kind of a Breaking Bad thing <laughs> they have going on. There you go. The, it, and then, the, Jonathan Hickman did it. I mean, you know, I haven't read a ton of Inhuman stuff, but like Jonathan Hickman did a really good job, I thought, in the Infinity series he did with uh, with the Terra Genesis Mist and stuff like that. So um, he introduces he introduced like Thanos' son, I think, in that series, which was. Kind of interesting, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if like if the TV. So it sounds like the TV show kind of like fucked it up (laughs) quite a bit. Yeah, like 
like it was okay for someone like me who did not have a lot of background on this i was hoping at least for like a little bit of exposition you explained yeah. this to me a little bit no there was none of that they did it, it they, like, uh, no they did it, it was n- like you Mm-hmm. They did. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off. They no, did you're it. You're fine. You're fine. They did it in Agents of Shield as well. Like this is like, I think it was a uh, season two or three. I can't remember. But like they introduced like the Terra Genesis Mist in that. Oh, and that's, okay. That's where yeah. uh, what's her face became uh, Quake. Sky became Quake. Uh, was oh okay yeah. yeah I I didn't watch that much of Agents of Shield. I I, <laughs> I didn't, watched the first. <laughs> I didn't want to. Rebecca's right, though. I mean, that's when I, when I was describing Inhumans and I was talking about the jargon gobbledygook stuff. It was exactly this that I was pointing to. Like, it's just so convoluted and stupid, and everyone takes it so seriously. There's never any charm or humor or ex- like too heavy explanation. You're like you're expected to just be all in and care so yeah. much about these pretenses exactly exactly but then like at the end i mean are we are we going to spoil the end i will oh, who gives a spoiled. fuck yeah, <laughs> so i mean at the end right um ramsey not that's his character <laughs> maximus um, he, he stages a coup, right? And he takes over. And the big thing is they shave off Medusa's hair, which is probably the best thing they could have done because that hair, I mean, I, it was like a joke. Everybody kept making this joke about it, but it was terrible. When it was just oh, there, oh. like it was a bad weave. Like <laughs> she should have come up here to Harlem and they would have taken care of her. But no, her hair was... Terrible and CGI. Ugh. The only note I made about this was something about Medusa's hair. Like all the joking and everything, and all the ridicule. And there's this one scene where she's making out with Anson Mount on the bed. Yeah. And they do her hair special effects, and she just moves a cup from from one table to the left side of the bed to one table on the right side of the bed for no reason. Yeah, exactly. While they're making like, out? While yeah. they're making out. Why didn't like, she, like, jerk him off with it? <laughs> that would have been more helpful. I, I, I mean, know. like... <laughs> it was so bizarre. I was like, what's up with that cup? Why did it need to go from the left table to the right table? Well, you know what I wrote in my notes was, like, they're doing effects just to do them. That's you know what exactly I mean? what that they're was. Doing, like, look what we can do. And it was like... And now I, of course, did not see this in IMAX. I had a friend of mine who, like me, had no connection to the characters. She went and saw it in IMAX. Why? And I, I, I don't. I think she just fell into the hype of it and like wanted to go see this in IMAX. And I asked her, like, was it worth it? Like, like, were you like blown away by like the images? And she said there was absolutely no reason to show this in IMAX ever at all for any reason like they even like on just the regular tv like you could see where like the effects were that in imax they were going for but again they were doing it just to show that they could do it and it didn't add to the story in any way shape or form and it was just terrible like i i i said i'm gonna watch the first two episodes and after the first one i was just like oh i can't 
I can't watch the second one. I think I like, hear. I think I hear. Lo- make me. I think I hear Lockjaw barking in the background. No, that's yeah. that's Clark. That's Clark. <laughs> 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 Probably saw a, a squirrel or something. No, he he's gets having a good time. <laughs> he gets upset anytime you talk about Inhumans. He's like, no, it, so terrible. <laughs> yeah, it was it was ridiculous bad on a whole level. I was not prepared for just wowie wow. <laughs> wow it's real yeah and i i feel really bad for anybody that's like a big inhumans fan like anyone that really loves the inhumans i feel like oh i feel like they just shit all over them i mean yeah, they, they, oh. bad. yeah they take in humans behind the barn and shoot it in the head here yeah and, and oh, i'm sorry and, oh, you go I for mean, it. The, the thing is like I, I, like, so, so by the end, I didn't, I didn't care about any of these characters. I didn't care what happened to them. And I also did not understand this whole cast system that they had. That made no sense to me. And it was like, so they're the royal family and they're ruling over their city on the moon, Adelan, but they have a whole cast of like worker people. And all they say is like, it has to be that way because we have finite resources. And I'm like, I don't understand what is happening with this whole system. Why am I supposed to feel bad for anybody in here? And so it made sense when like Maximus is like, preaching to these people who are like overworked basically like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna take care of you i'm like well yeah i kind of understand why because the royal family's just you know having a good old time and eating and drinking but all these other people are working like i it didn't make any sense to me nothing in this show made sense to me i toss it so it by, is a total by, oh yeah we didn't rate this yeah i toss i toss this thing too <laughs> toss so by the, the by the end of the episode rebecca are you screaming shave that bitch's head <laughs> well, when, they, when they shaved her hair off, I was like, you know, this is a good look for you. Hey, <laughs> was it? Was yeah, honestly, that's really the only smart thing the show did. It's was true. was her hair like writh- writhing and like squirming on the ground when they did it? No, it was no, not that no. I saw. Like it a dead fish, hair. it was like flopping around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. No, it was it was just there and. Yeah. Um, yeah, this this is just don't watch it, Brian. Don't, right. don't do it to yourself. I think I might now. I think I got to. They just to. pulled away the, the. They didn't even cut her hair off, Brian. They just pulled away the green screen, and her hair was gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they threw, no, they just they just they put a green sock on her head. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's move weird. on. Let's move on from Inhumans. I, I'm actually intrigued now. I kind of want to see this train wreck. How it was fucked so up bad. It is. If, if, you watch, if you watch an episode, I'll watch the next one. All right, cool. I'll check it let's out. Do a week, let's do a weekly make fun of Inhumans section. All right, if, yeah. Brian, if, if, you watch it with, if you watch it with a Mystery Science Theater attitude, yeah. you'll, you'll laugh your ass off. Jake. But that's the only way to really watch this. Let's start a new podcast, and I'm not even fucking bullshitting. It's just called Fucking Humans. <laughs> you want to do that? I'll be. It'll be. Uh, I'm intri- I'm intrigued. It'll be F asterisk C K in humans. Fucking humans, and we'll throw it up on iTunes. It'll be a separate feed, and we just get on there and we just trash this piece of shit. I, I kind of like I'm it. Talking about you know, you. like 15 minutes. We can knock out 15 minutes. You know? Yeah. I'm. I'm telling you, just watch it like Anson Mount is completely aware of how terrible everything around him is. <laughs> He's like, fuck. Thank God I'm, thank God I'm getting that Disney money. 
It's like an Emmy performance if you think about it that way. Wow. It's crazy. Wow. He's Jeez. really good. It's it's like yeah. it almost brings a tear to your eye. Like it's like why is he this dedicated to yeah. this? Can't he see? Yeah, he's he's a very <coughs> excuse me. I mean, he's a very talented actor. I loved him in Hell on Wheels. So it's a shame. <coughs> excuse me, guys. Somebody say something. Yeah, you're fine. I, I need water. Yeah, you're fine. Oh my god, inhuman. So we're gonna do the podcast fifteen minutes every week. How many episodes is this thing going, Rebecca? Like eight? Eight. Oh I I think I think that's right. I think it's, it's going eight yeah. eight episodes. It's eight episodes and then Shield is now after that. It'll be uh after Inhumans fin- finishes its uh first season or final season run, we don't know yet. Then uh Hey can can you give me one second? There's like some yep. kind of banging yep. going on. Sure. All right, yeah, we're back. Yeah. So, in humans. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Is Matt Damon in Thor Ragnarok? According to a source of the Weekly Planet, he is, quote, there's a scene set on Asgard in which we watch an Asgardian theater production that essentially recounts the entirety of Thor 1, like as a play. And in this theater piece, the role of Loki is played by an Asgardian actor Played by Matt Damon. <laughs> kind of love it. Yeah, that's a great cameo or a great way to have a cameo. Kind of love, love it. it too. Yeah. So. Yeah, th- I'm glad you reported that. I actually saw the article for this, but it it smelled like clickbait. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it totally smelled like clickbait. So I had to I had to read it, but I think like I. I think that this kind of like makes sense. Like they would do this. I, I I don't get the connection between Taika Waititi and Matt Damon. I don't think that they've ever worked on a project together. So that's a little mm-hmm. odd. But like when you think back to Thor: The Dark World, you did get the cameo appearance of Chris Evans. You know, Loki turns into Captain America, and that was kind of funny. So like, I don't. It's weird that I guess Matt Damon. It makes more sense for him to show up in the Marvel universe as one of these characters than it does for him to show up in the dceu where everybody would be like ben affleck and his buddy you know i don't know so Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just i think it's just kind of like a fun little thing that they're throwing in there it'll be fun to see it if it does happen it sounds like thor is going to be very cheeky and very fun like Everything in humans is not basically is what Thor sounds like. <laughs> um, if you go to, I bought my tickets for Thor Ragnarok and IMAX 3D, and uh, there was that rumor that the movie was only going to be an hour thirty, hour forty tops with the um, the uh, credits. Um, the movie's listed on Fandango as two hours and ten minutes. So Taika Waititi, when he said <laughs> he said he said the movie is going to be an hour and a half with forty minutes of credits, uh, forty minutes of post-credit scenes or whatever, uh, he wasn't lying. The movie's two hours and ten minutes. Oh, awesome! So uh, James Gunn said this on Facebook. Uh, something that me and Jake actually said during our Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 review, that we could see Yondu in flashback scenes. So here's the quote. He says, uh, although it is uh, – yeah, Jake, remember that? We we were basically oh, yeah. saying that, you know, yeah, we could get Yondu again in flashback scenes. We actually talked about, like, probably what we thought was going to be the scene for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 – um, both movies that we've seen previously have started off with flashback scenes. The first movie was the death of his mother and Peter being, you know, taken by Yondu. And then in the second film, we got the flashback of Ego, the living planet in his human form 
as a young Kurt Russell in the 70s um, or 80s. Was it 80s? Yeah, 80s. Yeah. 80s, and he's with Peter Quill's mother and um, their romance and things like that. So I, I fully believe that like this next film is going to start off with a Yondu and young Peter scene, a flashback of them, you know, him being like uh, the father to to Peter and some of like the him teaching him some Ravager shit. You know, I I hundred percent agree that that's probably what we'll get at right. the beginning of Guardians Three. I can't imagine. I mean, Michael Rooker is, in, is basically in every James Gunn movie, too, right? Yeah. He's not going to break that tradition just because the character is dead. Exactly. I'm not even going to read the quote. He just basically says, he goes, although it is always possible to see Yondo in flashbacks or a prequel, I personally will never bring him back to life in present time because it would nullify his sacrifice and the love from father to son that affects me so much personally as well as others all around the world. So basically, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but he's basically saying like, yeah, we could see him in flashbacks, but he's not, he's not bringing him back to life. This is not like in, uh, you know, uh, Avengers 3 or 4, you know, the soul stone is going to reanimate Yondu or the reality gem is going to bring him back to life. Like that's not happening here, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nor would I expect it to. Yeah. We got some casting news from Variety. Casting news from Variety here about the Venom film. It's not 100% confirmed, but uh, check this out. Michelle Williams is in talks to star opposite Tom Hardy in Sony's Venom film. So Hmm, who's the female lead in the Venom film? Like who's the character? Like uh, the actual character? Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know what that character's name would be. I mean, I haven't read enough like Venom solo stuff to even know. So, hmm. yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if it'd be Betty Brant. That would make I guess that would make sense. I mean, and she's got that look, right? So, yeah. 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 But um I I don't know, guys. I mean, like I, we can talk about how like this is not going to work, but we can also talk about like Sony's making some really good moves here as far as casting. I mean, they got Riz Ahmed. I really like that actor. Um, He's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. Tom Hardy's fantastic. I mean, we've got the Zombieland director doing this. I, I, I loved Zombieland. I don't think that that's any indication of like what kind of like movie we're going to get here, but I'm not just saying like, well, they got Ruben Fleischer, and he can only do a Zombieland type movie. Um, the Zombieland thing does give me hope that this is a director that understands, like with Venom, you can't, like you can't just go a hundred percent serious. Yeah, you, know, you, it's got to have a little bit more depth to it than that. Well, but what about what about the casting of Michelle Williams here? I mean, this, she makes very. Uh, smart decisions as to like what movie projects she's going to take on. I mean, she's worked with some of the best in the world. She was in Manchester by the Sea, got a lot of uh, acclaim for that film. Um, she's she, she's a, an Oscar darling. You know, uh, it seems like every movie she's in, like it's now being talked about. There's some Oscar buzz behind her. She's going to be working with Ridley Scott. I saw the trailer before I saw American Made today for this All the Money in the World movie. With her and Mark Wahlberg, that looks really fucking good. By the way, oh man, I love Ridley Scott. So it, it looks really fantastic. I don't see an actress of her caliber, and she hasn't signed on for it yet. People, I'm just saying, like Sony is 
Sony's talking to her, but I don't see them even talking to her if she doesn't like the direction of the script. I, I think like this is thrown out. Like, is she wanting to do something different? Is she wanting a big paycheck? Like, what's going on here? I don't, I don't know if I see her as the type to say, oh yeah, I just need a, I just need a dump truck full of money to do this fucking Venom movie. I, I'm seeing that there might be something a little bit more here. Yeah, she gets to work with Tom Hardy. Yeah, she gets to work with Riz Ahmed. But like, is there? Has she read the script? Is she happy with the script? I, I don't know. Um, Rebecca, do you have any thoughts? Are you? Do you like Michelle Williams? Do you think that this is good news, or is this kind of still like you're maybe on the fence, or are you all in on Venom? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I well, I I love Michelle Williams. Um, I think her career has taken a really really great path. Like she, you know, she started out doing Dawson's Creek, and now she's like. She's she's been in really critically acclaimed movies, which is great. Um, I I'm not like I'm not like a, a, an expert on Venom by any by any standard. Um, I I think as far as I understand it, like the it's I, I don't know how they're going to make this movie completely without Spider Man, but the names that are involved in it are really interesting to me. Mm. Tom Hardy, I love. Riz Ahmed, I love. Michelle Williams, I love. So it's hard for me to be such a Debbie Downer about this. Like, I'm, for me, as not being like, oh, I know so much about Venom and I, 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 I have so much connection to the character. I think it's interesting. I'm on the fence about it personally. And, I, I'd like to wait and see, like, when we get more details of who's playing who exactly and what I, the storyline is. There are there are sources that are saying that that Michelle Williams would play a district attorney and possibly Hardy's love interest. Sony had no comment on the casting. Hmm. So there's there's a, a thing here on. Um, and, and take this with a grain of salt. It's on fandom powered by, by, uh, Wikia that's saying that there's a to be confirmed actress as Anne Weying. Which I've never, heard, to, I've never even heard of that character. Well, I mean, me neither. So I Googled it in the, in the Marvel wiki and they're saying that in the comics, she at, some, at one point played Eddie Brock's ex-wife. Oh, wow. So, okay. okay. I mean, this is just me Googling for two minutes. I have no idea if this is true or sure. whatever, but if, if that's, I mean, that would make sense, right? Like if she's playing maybe an ex-wife character and he gets the symbiote and you know, how, how does that work out? Or maybe this is the story of how they broke up. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously we're all just spitball, spitballing here, but um yeah, I, I, I like these people involved, so it's hard for me to be like, you know, poo-pooing it so much. It's, it is. It's so weird because like, you know, it seems like Sony's making all the right moves, but then like we can also go back to the experiment that was two years ago with Josh Trank's Fantastic Four, which had, I think, a fantastic cast. Miles mm. Teller, Kate mm. Mara, you know, uh, you had, uh, Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Bell. I mean, you've got the cast there. You've got the young upcoming director, young director from Chronicle, you know, and, and, and what did we get? We got, we got a fantastic fucking train wreck. It was a pile mm. of shit. It was the worst Fantastic Four movie ever, even under Roger Corman's Fantastic Four. This was. <laughs> 
I, and I'm being serious. I'm being one of the. No, I, I agree. I agree. I th- honestly feel like that was the uh, the better representation of Doom was in the Roger Corman film. Like the relationship yeah, between all the characters, they nailed them way better. Way better. I mean, the 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 college relationship between him and Reed and and all that stuff was way better. And I mean. So I I don't know what we're gonna get here, but the fact that we that Michelle Williams is even in talks right now is I don't know I I'm I'm intrigued man I, I'm really interested to see what what they're gonna do with this Variety also put this in here and I, I want to get your guys thoughts on this because now I'm confused again uh, Variety ended this story with the studio has already made it clear that Venom will play no part in the Spider-Man universe and that the film will stand on its own. Now, is is either – is Variety misquoting here? Because I 100% remember um, uh, what's-her-face from uh, Sony coming out and saying that yeah. with Feige in that interview that, yes, this is going to be part of the Spider-Man universe um, – and that you know these things could be referenced. Uh, you 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 know, but you're not going to see Iron Man show up in these movies. You know, it's nothing. It's nothing like that. But you, Spider Man could show up in one of these films, but it's not like Captain America is going to show up in the Venom film. Yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. They left the door open that yeah. they can do anything they want except put Venom in the MCU. Oh, and it was Amy Pascal. So there we go. Yeah, I mean. It, Money, money talks and bullshit walks. Like right. if they, if this is a big success, they're definitely going to want to make the next step and have their Sony Spider Man and their Sony Venom movie. It just will mean that Venom won't be in the Avengers movie or the yeah. MCU movies. Right. Like we we've got it. Quit confusing right. shit, Amy. Yeah. So Variety kind of confused me a little bit there with that. I I felt like I knew what was going on and then Variety threw that there at the end. I think Variety is kind of confused at this point. But we're going to be watching this movie in a year. This movie comes out October 5th of 2018. So if Tom Hardy stays on this project and doesn't leave, we should be watching this in about a year. Wow. Yeah. I'm excited. I can't wait to see. I mean excited in in a way. But I do want to see more. Like, I do want to see a trailer. Yeah. And I do want to kind of get a better grasp on the tone they're going for. Right. And, and I, I don't know. I want to see it. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see what cinematic 2018 movie villain Venom looks like. You know? I'm what, interested. What do, what do you think this is, Jake? I mean, like, uh, hold on. Like, we, we know that DC's got, like, this separate banner that they're going by. I, I thought it was crazy news this week. We find out like DC in house doesn't even call the DCEU the DCEU. Did you read that? Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. That means the fans came up with that dumb name. That makes me respect it more. Yeah, I think it's I think it's kind of funny actually. Uh, but you know, we we've got DCEU coming out with their own banner, you know, doing their own thing. And like like look at Fox now. Fox is like they still got the Singerverse going on. Like that's still a thing. But like they went off and did their own thing with like Deadpool. We got a fourth wall breaking character. We've got the Logan Noir film that like ended that character's uh you know, Hugh Jackman's epic run on that character in such a fucking amazing way, I might add. But like mm-hmm. you know, like we we've got that is Sony kind of trying to replicate that here? Like we want to give you a superhero film with a character that you're familiar with. 
but we want to we we, we want to do it in a different way. Like we're not we're, and I'm not saying like they're going to try to Christopher Nolan the shit out of this, but it feels a little bit like that. Like you know, you get Maggie Gyllenhaal for like you know the second and the third film, and you've got you know Christian Bale, you've got Morgan Freeman, you've got you know Michael Caine, all these like high caliber actors, man, in these fucking Nolan films. And like here we're hearing like Tom fucking Hardy, Michelle Williams, Riz Ahmed. You know, like we're hearing like like these are these are highly sought after actors in Hollywood right now. And and I'm not saying Michelle Williams is signing on to this thing, but like and, – and, and if she doesn't, that's not a good sign for this either. Like like that's a red flag right there. So – Yeah, it, it all depends. It's the, I, I see why you would think it would be a red flag, but it also could just be a scheduling conflict. Well, sure, sure. Still- yeah, it could be a scheduling conflict. But how many times have we heard that in Hollywood? That it's a scheduling conflict, or it's a you got to cre- imagine that one out of ten times it really is, right? Yeah, yeah, I, you know, yeah, we hear it a lot, though. It might be another thing. Like, the, the, of course, she's not going to want to come out and say, "I read the script and it was shit." Whoa, yeah, stinker, <laughs> right? Right. <Yeah. laughs> so I don't, man. I don't know. It, 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 it could be an indica- it could be an indication that the, the, maybe it's not that good either. I mean, it still could be. We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Jake, I'm looking forward to this too. I, not so much. I'm looking as, forward to seeing more. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I know. I'm not saying like I'm 100 percent on board with this. Like right now, you know, because like it is a carnage story as well, which has yeah. me very, very worried. But um, you know, it's like. I don't know, like our studios learning, our studios learning, because like I feel like, you know, Marvel is MCU, you know, Marvel Studios is doing their thing and it, they're doing it quite well, and it's it, it's worked for Spider Man apparently. Like that movie is the number one highest grossing comic book movie of the year, and which I don't think it should be, but that's just my opinion. I think Wonder Woman is superior, but whatever. Um, but every other comic book movie was superior for the most part. What Kingsman too? <laughs> well, no, no. I said I had my asterisks, but for the most part, asterisks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you know, um, I, I wonder if like they're trying to take a page out of like what Fox is doing with like you know Deadpool and Logan, and like maybe what the DC EU is doing with like with their banner, even though they started this project sooner. I think maybe they're looking more at what Fox did. They're like, it worked for Fox. Nobody, nobody can do what the MCU is doing unless they join the MCU. Nobody can do that. Nobody can do that. But there's still money out there for like these lower budget comic book movies that, you know, cause like Logan didn't cost as much as like some of these other big budget films. You know, I, it had, oh, a, no. and Deadpool right. maybe cost, what was it? Like 45 million? Maybe? If, if that, yeah. if that. So it's like, this Venom film, it feels like it's going to be – other than the fact that we've got a symbiote here, it feels like it's going to be gritty and maybe a little bit more grounded, right? It's like, I, I agree with that yeah. interpretation, yes. So like I can't see the budget being like through the fucking roof and you know, I, I don't see this being like $175 million movie. I see this being under $100 million. So, no, and I feel like half the budget's going to actors by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Michelle Williams definitely deserves it. Tom Hardy definitely deserves it. Riz Ahmed, I mean, he's going to make less than those two, but I mean, yeah, but I mean, you still got a you know, right. an Emmy nominated actor. Exactly. So it's it's um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm 
this this has me intrigued. I can't wait. I'm gonna be watching this in the theaters. I I mean, I can't wait to get that first trailer. What what fucking? Hey, let me ask you this: What trailer? What trailer for what movie that's not come out yet? Are you the most excited for to see? Maybe by the end of the year or early next year? Like like oh, name off a, a couple question. movies. Like I, for me, I, it's Han Solo. I was getting ready to say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see him deliver just one line as the iconic character Han Solo. Yeah, like I have to see it to believe it. Yeah. So I can't even think of anything close to Han Solo. If if there wasn't a Ready Player One trailer, I, I would have said that's up there. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say like Last Jedi trailer number two, which we're going to get probably next. You know, by in the next week, October 9th is what it sounds like. So. I'm not going to say that because I've already seen the first trailer. I, Han Solo, I got to see that first fucking trailer. I'm so excited to see that first trailer. What about you, Rebecca? Yeah, yeah I, <clears throat> I almost want to say like Infinity War, but that was leaked and everyone's seen it um, on that like tilted, yeah. tilted handheld thing on your Twitter feed. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I mean, if, if there was a Ready Player One trailer, that would be number one that I would want to see. And, um, I mean, I think I'm right there with you guys. I'm so intrigued by this Han Solo movie of all the crazy stuff that's been happening with it. I really want to see something. I want to see yeah. this kid be Han Solo. I want to see what he says. I, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, um, Jake, uh, that's the, we're going to talk about Han Solo later. Fuck it. I'm going to talk about it now a little bit, just a little bit, just like this one thought. Because uh, I'm, I'm done with Marvel News anyway after. Oh, I got one more story. But I was thinking like. You know, they, they brought back Grandma Tarkin and they've been, you know, they, they, they've done these things with, with these visual effects. And we, we, we've seen what, you know, Disney Marvel can do with their effects and, you know, de-aging these older actors. Um, and Ryan Johnson himself, uh, what they did with Looper where they made Joseph Gordon-Levitt look like Bruce Willis in Looper. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was neat. That was really cool. I don't – they're not going to do that here with Han Solo. But I was thinking to myself, like, what if they did? Well, like, like would, would would that upset people or, or would it actually make the transition a little bit easier for people to actually see them use – like, if you haven't seen Looper, then you might not know what I'm talking about. But they kind of basically, like – Make Joseph Gordon-Levitt, with the use of CGI, look like Bruce Willis. And, and like, that was, like, an afterthought because, like, in the original trailers, they didn't. Like, if you watch the original trailers for Looper, he just looked like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Like, this was something they did in post-production. So Yeah. They talk about it on the uh, – I watched all the special features on the Blu-ray and they kind of talk about that effect a little bit too it was a really neat decision to do that well, yeah what, what like would you would you be opposed to that in uh, in the han solo film would it make it or, or are you just waiting to see how alden ehrenreich handles the the character you know, in, I, yeah i don't think i'm not opposed to it especially when it seems like what they're trying to do is have this movie that is like it has multiple through lines is kind of the vibe i'm getting where it's like kind of three or four different Han Solo adventures wrapped up in one big movie yeah. moving throughout his like career. Yeah. So, you know, when you get towards the latter stages of that, maybe that tech, it would be good to have that technology right? to morph him closer into Harrison Ford when you're starting to butt him up to the end of episode four. Well, it's only, it's a, it's a six year, it's a six year story. It's from 18 to 24. 
So yeah. at the time when he's in um, – by the time we see him in A New Hope, I believe he's 32 or 34. There's a website you can go to and check all the ages of these characters in the films. It's I'm bad with the ages. Yeah. Uh, anyway, a final, I'm sorry. Anyway, um, final story here. Uh, Olivia Munn was talking with Collider and apparently she's coming back as Psylocke for Dark Phoenix. And who gives a fuck, right? And, <laughs> and uh, then she revealed this and she even comes. That's not the story though, Jake. That's not the story. I'm sorry. That's not, I'm not pissing on the story. I'm no. Olivia Munn. Do you think oh that I'm God. really going to come out here and be like, well, I, I don't know. She's, Hold the phone. Olivia Munn's coming back. Ugh, Olivia Munn. She was like my oh god for the longest time. We were excited time. that they cast her. Yeah, too. that's why I think that's why I'm so bitter now. Yeah, no, I was like a, I was like a huge Olivia Munn fan back in like the Attack of the Show days, and then yeah. the more that I've learned about her in recent years, I'm not as much as a fan anymore. But anyway, um, she was uh, she was talking to Clyder and. She revealed this, and, and she she even comes off like she shouldn't be saying this, but she says it anyway. She says, quote, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I'm supposed to be vague. That's my answer. I'm horrible at that. It's like a two-parter, this movie. That's more than I've said in general. I don't know why people have to be so secretive. So she's saying that Dark Phoenix is a two-parter. So it's like not, you know, like, People were upset that they were going straight Dark Phoenix into the second movie with these new characters. But now she's saying, like, it's a two-parter. And my question to you is, like, does this make it any better that they're giving I don't this- know how to take that, though, because because you can't really know what she's saying. I almost want to think maybe she means that this is part two to the last movie's Apocalypse is part one. Hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's who knows how, how she says it's her quote is it's like a two parter. This movie. Is she talking about the movie? It feels like two different movies or is she talking? Maybe it has two halves. Right. Or is she talking about like, this is the first installment and then dark Phoenix two is something that's coming. I, I, I don't, I think they're counting their chickens before they hatch because like, the last movie underperformed and for them to set this up as another two – if they are setting this up as like Dark Phoenix Volume 1, um, you know, yeah, I just made – means it's, She means it's like from dusk till dawn. It's going to be like basically two movies in one movie. Oh, man. I, yeah. I, I don't – I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't, what, it, it sounds to she, me like she's saying – the next movie that's coming out is yeah. part one, and there will be a part two after that. That's how I understand it. Because like, she said, yeah, she said, she said, I don't know why people have to be so secretive. I'm not supposed to say this. Like, why? I. It sounds like she's talking about two separate movies. Is that what you're saying, Rebecca? That's how it sounds yeah. to me. Um, I, I that That's just my interpretation of what she's saying, that there's a part one and a part two. Maybe kind of like what they're doing with, with Avengers. Like Infinity War is like kind of but not kind of a part one and part two. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so this – I mean uh, Dark Phoenix, this movie could end and it could be like not the end of like this actual storyline. Like this storyline could go on into the next film. So we'll see. I don't know. So she's threatening us with more movies. <laughs> yeah, basically. The Singerverse will never <laughs> die. 
I'm ready for. Uh, hey, yeah. is Gifted coming Can't you out? Just this shove week? some more hot dogs in her mouth. Is that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> is Gifted coming out this week? It's coming out like. Oh, I hope so. It, it is. Mean, I think it comes out Monday. If not Monday, it, it comes out sometime. This week. Oh, I can't it's wait. On, it's on Fox proper, right? Yeah, it's on Fox proper. I'm excited. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm hearing great things. I'm hearing, and critics are loving it. It looks yep, good. It's, it's on tomorrow, 9 p.m. Eastern yeah, on I've, Fox. I've got mine set up to record. Uh, hey, uh, Trekkie1981, if you're coming for the uh, gifted review, <laughs> it's Sunday and we haven't seen it yet, asshole. All right? Oh, man, we really, we really dropped the ball on the, uh, the cunt references for uh, <laughs> Star Trek fan 1981. Can we start a website? Yeah, we did. You're still a cunt. You know, can we still can we start a website where like we get to review iTunes reviewers and their reviews? Mm, I, I like it. Yeah, I don't see why we couldn't start that website. Right. Yeah, iTunes reviewed reviewed by podcasters. <laughs> oh man, it's like it's like celebrities read mean tweets kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got. I think you're onto something there. Actually, <laughs> fucking a. Let's do it. All right, guys, we're gonna move on into DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news. You fucking pieces of shit. I came for Star Trek Discovery news, and I didn't get it. I demand satisfaction. Fuck you! Anyway, um, sorry. It kind of burns me up a little bit. People, oh, I hadn't noticed. Fucking, well, they're <laughs> fucking entitlement. They're fucking entitlement. I, I almost didn't even want to fucking review it, Rebecca. You know? Because of that After fucking asshole. Because that. <laughs> that fucking asshole. Like, giving them what they want. So I wanted to make it hell for them listening. They had to listen to what a cunt they are the entire time. So. Um, it was decent, though. We had to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. I did want to talk about it anyway. DC News. The final Justice League trailer is rumored to be attached to the new Blade Runner 2049 trailer, which is, uh, man, critics are fucking the ones that have seen this are saying it's great. It's on, and it's, it's on pace to be a huge box office hit. Uh, whoa, whoa, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? What are you, what are you talking about, Jake? I'm, I'm shocked. This is shocking news. I mean, I've read it too. This isn't the first time hearing it, but it is, I, I gotta say, I was not expecting this kind of, uh, Reception there's to Blade huge, Runner, whatever, whatever. There's a huge buzz to this, man. I mean, oh, I know. You've got Ryan Gosling in there. I think he's the right choice. I honestly, I mean, I you've got a great director and you've got a great cinematographer, but like that's not why people are going to see this thing. I I think Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford are a big enough draw, and I think that I think that Blade Runner itself, it's been out for so it's been around for so long that you've got you're going to have the hardcore fans of Blade Runner. Doesn't matter like which cut you enjoy, but you're, they're going to go see the movie. Um, yeah, I personally think it does matter which cut you enjoy, but for, for the fans, I'm saying like they, they've chosen their cut of the movie that they like, and they're going to want to go see this movie. But I think, like I, I think that Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford are just enough to get people to come out there. Is Ryan Gosling? It, that's got to be it, though, Jake. Because you look at you look at some of these big time actors like Will Smith and Tom Cruise. Like these were the hundred million dollar actors. Like these guys had a slew of movies that made over a hundred million dollars. Like 
for the longest time uh, in the box office. And they, they're they just like big box office draws. Is like Ryan Gosling up there now? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. I, it's yet to be seen. I, I don't think this movie is definitely going to be made, made or broken on Ryan Gosling, though, right? I think you were more on target with what you were saying earlier. No, I'm saying, the, like, uh, why is it on track? I know. that I'm saying, like, why is it on pace to beat – why are the ticket sales higher right now? And it's on track to beat Mad Max Fury Road and what was the other one? The Martian. It's on track to beat both of those films in its first weekend. Is it because of Ryan Gosling? I'm not because I can't see casual audiences being like, "Oh wow, this is directed by Denis Villeneuve and uh, Roger Deakins is returning to team up with him in this film for Blade Runner 2049." I, I mean, I think those ultimately are the guys that are going to make this movie fucking awesome, right? But yeah, I agree. Like, it's because Ford's coming back. Yeah, I think Gosling is a big enough draw. I mean, Leto's in there too. Yeah. So not to disparage mm-hmm. him. Yeah. I mean, He's definitely a bit of a. I've heard he does a really great turn as a villain in this too. Awesome, uh, and we got hey, dude, we got fucking Drax in this. So, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he is in this movie too. Yeah, we're talking about DC news, but I turned it into fucking Blade Runner news <laughs> and Drax. <laughs> but like, I'm hearing, I like, dude, I'm hearing like they're saying this is even for a long movie, it's well paced. Um, there's enough action. It's visually amazing, which you're gonna get visually amazing. When you get Denny Villeneuve and you get Roger Deakins, I I can't fucking wait for this movie now. Anyway, let's talk about um, um, the trailer. Looks terrible. I gotta say though. Really? You think so? It yeah. Other than the music, the trailer just bores me to pieces. Huh. I mean that that could be that could be a good thing. Like yeah. you know, they're just not showing me anything, and the movie's gonna knock my socks off. Uh, I'm just, fine with that. I don't know. I but. think it's I think it's just I think it looks kind of cool. Like there's some really cool shots, and I I love the synthy music and shit like that. And oh yeah, I, like yeah. I said, the music was amazing, and I love just the the interactions between you know Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford and him talking about the old days and how things are different now. And it's like holy shit, I can't wait to see this. So, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, they're saying it's gonna. They're saying it's gonna beat Mad Max and fucking The Martian. So I don't know, man. We'll hmm. see. Uh, the J- basically the Justice League trailer, the final trailer. This rumor comes from Batman News. Uh, last night, Warner Brothers gave a presentation at the National Association of Theater Owners Fall Summit. Chris Sylvia, vice president at Regal Cinemas, was there and said that Jeff Johns took the stage to go over all things DC, including showing off a brand new Justice League trailer. So when fan, so when can fans expect to see the new Justice League trailer online? Uh, my best guess is next Thursday, October fifth, for a couple reasons. First, that's when Warner Brothers' big movie, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, is coming out. It's a sci fi movie, blah blah blah, and we know all that shit. But so they're saying October fifth. Um, this seems to be the day, um, and it's the first day of New York Comic Con, so that makes sense. That it'll probably be shown at New York Comic Con and then thrown up online. And then audience is going to be able to see it uh, with uh, Blade Runner 2049. Oh, wow. So an added bonus. Yeah. To play. yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see the next Justice League trailer to see what the third tone the movie will have. Well, yeah. Like, Rebecca, uh, Jake, <laughs> what, what do you think? Like, are, when we when we get this final Justice League trailer, are we getting a lot of Joss Whedon in this one? Is it going to feel different? <sighs> Oh, yeah. I mean, I, even before Josh Whedon was a part of it, it seemed like every Zack Snyder movie trailer was for a different movie. 
So yeah, yeah. I, I I think we're going to see a different tone here. I mean, what did they? What were what were the reports saying that? Wow. Like thirty three percent or something. That um, Joss reshot or whatever. Um, I mean, who knows what that thirty three percent is? Uh, I, I I think we're going to see a different tone. I wouldn't be surprised. Would that um, tone be Wonder Woman? I mean, come on, come on. Let's listen, no. I'm being I'm being honest. Point, no, no, no. And and it's it's a totally valid thing that you're saying because DC has Wonder Woman going for them, and yeah. so. At any time that they can shove her in the front of anything, they're going to do that. And because they want to be like, hey, remember how awesome Wonder Woman was? Look, here's some. And we lost you there, well, Rebecca. That- yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, it was just me ranting anyway. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, they're, they're not – they would be dumb if they didn't put Wonder Woman in the front because it's the – best thing they've got going for them right now and they want to have her right in the forefront because they want all the people who love Wonder Woman to come see Justice League because look how much Wonder Woman is in the movie and we all know that Joss loves to write for strong women he likes to have them front and center so yeah it's going to be Wonder Woman heavy do you think Patty Jenkins was highly involved in this collaboration you know I mean James Gunn seems to have uh, had a, a uh, a hand in what they're doing with the cosmic shit in the infinity film, um, especially with the guardians of the galaxy. I mean, like those are his characters that he's been working with that he's been developing since 2014. Like, do you feel like Patty Jenkins had anything to do to do with how wonder woman was portrayed in this film? So I'd say a hundred percent. Yes. On that. Um, I, you know, that's the kind of thing Josh Whedon would do. I got to imagine that she was, and just even maybe if a small way, some kind of a consultant to even pre-Weeden about, mm-hmm. you know, how to use the character. Yeah, they need to throw and, her name up as an executive producer on every fucking film from here on out. They need her input on all these films, in my opinion. Because, like, it shouldn't just all be Jeff Johns and Joss Whedon heading this thing up over at uh, Warner Brothers with the DC Universe. It needs – Patty Jenkins has given them the best film, the best performing film – and she needs to be a part of this going forward, in my honest opinion. Yeah, they'd be dumb not to get her. Yeah, I, I think there was certainly – I think Patty Jenkins had something to do with at least part of Justice League. But I think that there was probably a time where they were waiting and seeing how Wonder Woman performed before they – maybe brought her in more. I wouldn't be surprised to hear that, to see how did this movie do, and then if it did well, let's get Patty in here, you know, all in to do more stuff. Um, and I think going forward, they should slap Patty Jenkins' name on everything yeah. that they can, <laughs> and because she did an excellent job with the characters. She did a great job with that movie, she framed it so well, the color scheme, the whole nine. It's 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 really well done. And they would be stupid not to have her and Gal front and center. Absolutely. This, yeah, I it's, agree. It's what they got. Yeah, you know, they threw up Christopher Nolan's name in Man of Steel as an executive producer, you know? Because yeah. it, it looks good because, like, those – you know, those Batman films performed well. People loved them universally. Most people did. I'm not saying everybody. Mm-hmm. But a lot, you know, the more people liked them than didn't. And sure. it looks good to have Christopher Nolan's name up there, you know, 
Fucking yeah, it doesn't hurt. Director, <laughs> yeah. director of the Dark Knight trilogy, director of the Prestige, director of you know. I mean, it just looks really fucking good to have his name up there. So um, anyway, uh, there could be another fan favorite coming out of the Justice League film. We talked about those screenings last week, and some follow up is that the Flash seems to be the crowd favorite, according to Jeff Johns. Um, this, uh, this came from Screen Rant. They said, speaking at the National Association of Theater Owners Fall Summit to promote DCEU's slate of upcoming films, including Justice League, which is next to be rolled out, and Aquaman, John shared that among the big superheroes in the epic blockbuster, The Flash got the most positive audience response from the early screenings. Regal Films' Chris Sylvia posted on Twitter that John said, Flash is the collective favorite coming out of the Justice League. That, me being a Flash fan, that makes me very happy. I always said that I thought Ezra Miller had it within him that he could do a great Flash. I think there's room for two Flashes. Um, I have no problem with Grant Gustin and Ezra Miller being the Flash. Um, you've got your cinematic universe and you got your TV universe. And I, I want to keep those things separate. I think like, I think Marvel has kind of like learned that with Agents of Shield now. Like you've got you've got Feige coming out now and saying like it really has nothing to do with the MCU anymore. I don't think that the characters of Iron Man and uh you know um Nick Fury and Captain America are ever going to find out what fucking happened to Coulson. You know why? Because Marvel TV and Marvel Cinematic are totally two different things. We are seeing these things kind of be like their own entities now. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be this one big connective universe, but now it's like Jeff Loeb and Kevin Feige are just doing their own thing. And that that's like uh, one of the reasons, Jake, like why a lot of people enjoyed Agents of Se- S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 4 so much is because it's kind of diverged, diverged away from the MCU and it's been able to like do its own thing with Ghost Rider and shit like that. So Yeah, it wasn't bogged down by whatever new movie came out the same yes. week that they got to have a new episode. Yeah, oh, we got to incorporate that blue blob so it doesn't piss people off <laughs> in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So. Yeah, yeah, we got to prove, prove why it's there. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. There, there's, I think there's, when going back to The Flash, I, I don't know. This makes me fucking happy. I love – The Flash is my favorite DC comic book character. Like I love to read great Flash stories. Now, cinematically, Christopher Reeves' Superman is my favorite. But like in the comics, reading Flash comics is so much fun. So this makes me really fucking happy that if this news is true, that the people are loving Ezra Miller Flash. And after – a lot of people were shitting on this. Because nobody can replace Grant Gustin. And you don't have to replace Grant Gustin. There's room enough for two people. That's, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's, that's just. No, that, that's an excellent point because I, I enjoy the CW Flash yeah. show a lot. Me I too. love Grant Gustin. Me it's, too. I love him. Great. He's great. He, and I think that. And I, I, I also enjoy the Flash character. Even going back to like Justice League cartoons, Justice League Unlimited, Michael Rosenbaum doing the voice of the Flash. Um, great interpretation of that character. And then now we're seeing Ezra Miller just kind of carrying on that idea of like Barry Allen being funny and charming and very disarming and, and just lovable. And, and that's what, that's why we love the Flash because he's got all those great, all those great characteristics. So, 
and, and he's a great actor. That that kid is a really, really good actor, yeah. and I am excited to see what he does with the Flash. Uh, he was... I can't believe I'm saying I'm excited about something in Justice League, but I am excited <laughs> about this in Justice yeah. League. Well, he was great in the perks of being a wallflower. He was so good in that movie, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. people talk about like you know like we've seen my like him do some some bad movies too, you know. Um, we're not so good movies, you know. I, I didn't really care for his performance in uh, the Harry Potter spinoff, the that film. No, I, I was excited for him to be in that too. Yeah, it really was yeah. kind of yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you know, it, it, it's you know, and we've seen Miles Teller, who I think is a great actor. Whiplash, he's fantastic, and um, mm-hmm. the Spectacular. Now he's good, but we saw him do like the Divergent movie, and you're just like, dude, it's not. It's just a bad choice. It's a bad film choice. We saw him do Fantastic Four. It's a bad film choice. Now he's doing like this new movie um, where he plays like a, a soldier with PTSD, and it looks so fucking good. Like this is like um, it, it reminds me of the Hurt Locker. It looks really good, Rebecca. You, I think you would really dig this one. Yeah, it looks really huh. good. It looks so good. It's this new. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's this new Miles Teller movie that comes out real soon. But um, I, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Flash. I'm, I'm I'm excited for that. I can't wait to see the Flash in the Justice League, and I hope it's true. Even if the movie's shit, you know, I just you know, Batman v Superman, in my opinion, was not great. And I mean, coming out of the movie though, I could talk about how much I love the Wonder Woman scenes. So I had that. So you know, whatever. Um, Justice League composer Danny Elfman talked with uh, Billboard. And revealed that he will be using some of the John Williams Superman score. If I just stopped right there, I would be happy about this. But there's more. <laughs> there's more to the story, and I don't know what to think. And I, I don't know. I need somebody to talk me through it. Um, yeah, he's going to be using some of the John Williams Superman score with a twist, and the twist that makes us confused on whose side Superman will be on when he does return. Here's the quote from Danny Elfman. Uh, there are a uh, few little fan moments. I instated a moment of the Wonder Woman theme that Hans Zimmer did for Batman v Superman. Uh, but I also had two minutes where I had the pleasure of saying, let's do John Williams Superman. And that for me was heaven because now I have a melody to twist and I'm using it in an actually very dark way, in a dark moment. It's kind of the thing that some fans will notice. Some won't. It's a moment where we're not really sure whose side he's on. Now, we've heard the rumor that he could come back. Uh, it could be, uh, um, Steppenwolf that brings him back, right? And, um, maybe Steppenwolf uses one of these mother boxes to bring him back. And, you know, now that, now the Justice League have to fight the, the Kryptonian, um, Superman. I, I think that's interesting, but like, like, um, they're going to use the John Williams score in a dark way? Is it is it to confuse us? Because it's like a dark moment. I don't understand the motivation here, Jake. Is it like we hear that music and we think like, oh, my God, here's Superman. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, he's fighting them. Is it to – Maybe you just do it heavy. Like you do a heavy, like, Imperial March version of the classic Superman theme yeah. to signify he's evil at the moment. That could be kind of cool. Hmm. Hmm. So I've heard they're yeah. going to use the classic Danny Elfman Batman theme in this movie too. 
I have not heard that rumor. Interesting. Huh. <laughs> that Danny Elfman's just going all out with all, all the classic superhero themes. Yeah, yeah he's also going to incorporate a little bit of Jurassic Park in this one, is what I'm hearing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they go yeah, into the, they, the, the Bat Cave has the T-Rex in there, so might as well. Yeah, I, fuck it. Any Anything that can make people excited about a DC movie, do it. Yeah, and we're going to get some Indiana Jones in this as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> Looking for. I have to, a question. Yeah, I have, I have a question, Brian. Do you think like this is all like just trying? I mean, I get the whole playing with the with like the Superman theme, but do you think they're just trying to lighten up the tone of the movie overall with the music? No, this he sounds like he's doing it in a dark way. No, but I mean, like everything else that you're mentioning, yeah. like like the Jurassic Park. Oh, I'm maybe. joking about that. That was a joke. Oh, I thought. Yeah, I don't. Serious. I heard another. Oh, I heard something that was really alarming too. That they're going to use the uh, electro music from Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were being serious. <laughs> it's a different universe. I don't yeah. know how they incorporated, but wow. Yeah, they. I, I actually heard they were going to use the. Uh, um, the uh, TGIF ABC Family Show step by step by step is going to step by step, day by his, day. I heard as each Justice League member gets taken down, the Oompa Loompas are actually going to come out <laughs> and sing a song about you know what happened. I heard the exposition of this entire movie is going to be sung in the Brady Bunch theme. Here's a story Here's a- <laughs> of a lovely Amazon woman. <laughs> of a League of Justice. <laughs> oh, man, that's pretty great. I don't think Rebecca appreciates it at all. Hey, you no. know what I heard? I heard that this joke's going on too long. That's what I heard. Oh. 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 I, think this, I think this is a pretty moist joke. Oh, damn <laughs> <laughs> it's still fresh and moist, and we should uh, eat it a little bit more. Oh, man. <laughs> I heard they're going to have the power of love. Yeah. Huey Lewis. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. When Flash is, like, zooming around the city. I would – oh, no, back in time. They got to do that one, man. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, that'd be dope. <laughs> I dig it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I – I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out, like, I, I like what you're saying, Jake. I think, like, if they do bring him back and, and you had, like, that Imperial March version of John Williams' score, it'd be kind of cool. But, like, is, does that where it, is that where it ends? Like, because we know Superman's going to eventually come back as Superman. He's going to be, like... Yeah, then it makes using the classic theme that much more powerful after you've heard it, you know, do the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Well, we know that this the, – the, they've already paid homage to Christopher Reeve in the first Man of Steel movie. Like when he yes. when he's fighting – oh, man, the terraforming thing and, you know, that, that fucking – he's on one side of the planet and he's like fighting that terraforming device. They show like his face rippling with the, the energy that's coming off his face. They they superimposed, but with CGI, Christopher Reeve's face in there for like a split moment. So like, and that was an awesome moment for me seeing that. You know, the second time I noticed it in the theater. So I don't know. Yeah, I think the John Williams score is just kind of like it just it just goes to Superman. You know, they're never gonna there's never gonna be another Superman score that's as iconic as that. Like I, I like yeah. what Hans Zimmer did, but like that's Superman. 
Yeah, that score is almost a quarter of what's been lacking from modern Superman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they were – Jake, I think they were just kind of wanting to stay away with like what they did with 2006's Superman Returns. Like, Yeah, I agree. But I trying think to do bit, the whole homage feel. They were trying to do something new. But I think the time has passed. I think the time has passed. I think it's been long enough now that we can that we can have a little bit of that old school fucking Superman. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, we obviously love homage and we want homage. You know, we yeah. love Stranger Things. We paid it – it's the number one fucking horror movie. Right. We, we love homage when done right. You know, it's Rebecca, okay if you do it. Are you okay? Are you getting sleepy? If oh you... yeah, no, no, I'm fine. All right, I'm good. <laughs> are you still are you still fuming about that fucking joke? I am not. Still... I am not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, I didn't know. No, I'm good. I'm You're good. over there. I heard they're going to have all the Prince music from the first <laughs> Batman movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> I actually heard they're actually just going to throw in the actual Imperial March into the – Oh, you know, wow. Yeah. When Superman shows up. Yeah. Yeah. Let's That'd see be crazy. Here. Yeah. Uh, let's move on into Star Wars news and wrap this bitch up. I'm not – Jesus, I promised emails. I ain't doing them. Fuck it. They, t- they talked about <laughs> porgs for longer than they talked about Fuck you. Else. Fuck you, Trekkie. Trekkie 1981. <laughs> Fuck you, you little bitch. <laughs> Pussy. Anyway, Star Wars. All right, time for pork talk. Yeah, let's say but all porgs. <laughs> I have other news, but I'm you know I'm make I'm gonna fucking make up porg news. You son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm just gonna start reading off fucking like uh, porg recipes. Yeah, barbecue porg. Do you think the porgs will have individual names like um like the Ewoks? You know how there's Wicca and Chief Chirpa and all that stuff. Like, is it just going to be Porg One and Porg Two? Or? I know you're hoping for it. I don't. I don't. I don't care either way. Really? I don't no, know. I, I'm just yeah. curious. I, I Chewbacca will probably like name one of them. You know. Mm, that makes sense. And the name will be like whatever. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, were you real real big stretch there, Chewbacca? Yeah, exactly. Now, all right, let's move on into Star Wars news. Gigant, what am I saying? You were supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. All right, the runtime for Star Wars The Last Jedi could be at two hours and 30 minutes. This makes it the longest film yet. Um, It's been listed by many, many theaters as the runtime. Cineworld has removed the runtime from their site, but AMC Theaters, Cineplex, and Fandango all list two hours, 30 minutes as the runtime. Um, right now, Attack of the Clones is currently the longest at 142 minutes. And then, uh, The Force Awakens and Rogue One were a little over two hours, uh, coming in at 135 and then 133. So this would be the longest Star Wars movie if that is true. So. Yeah, not, not a big fan <laughs> of that. Um, to me, Star Wars should always have a lot of popcorn movie sensibilities and having a two and a half hour plus runtime is, not that, so, ugh. Like, if anything has scared me about the new Star Wars movie, it's that it's gonna be this fucking long. I don't know, I, I don't know. I just, I'll, I'll wait to see the movie. I don't, I don't mind. I mean, if the movie is, uh, well paced, 
I mean, it's, I, I won't mind. If the movie's You'll wait well to paced. see the movie. I, I know, but we've, we, we're going to talk about Star Wars for two years ahead of the movie coming out. No, I'm going to wait to see the movie before I say if the fucking movie needed to be cut. Like, if I watch the movie and there's, like, scenes that slow it down or I'm like, ah, that's not necessary. That could have been cut. We could have cut that yeah. down to two hours and 12 minutes. I'm just saying, like, I'm going to watch the movie and then I'll be like, no, every fucking bit of that film, every – Two hours and thirty minutes of that film needed to be in there. I'll make that decision then. That's all I'm saying. I will. I will also make that de- decision then. I, I completely agree. Um, but it, uh, it. I can't help but be alarmed by this. I've never had like, a problem so, with like two and a half hour movies if they're fantastic. Like it's. Oh, me neither. You know, I, I love so, the good ones are good, but when they're not, when they're not super super great, it's like ouch, you know. Yeah. You tell me, you tell me Justice League is like two hours and 30 minutes or two hours and 40 minutes long. I'm getting worried. What do you got? What do you got, Rebecca? I was going to say, like, as long as the pacing is, is good, then two and a half hours is going to fly right by. Right. Um, right. Like when you said that Attack of the Clones was an hour and 42, I was like, it felt way longer than that. No, it was, (laughs) no, it was 142 minutes. Right, right. That's what I'm saying. It's 142 minutes, but it just felt. It still felt way longer than that. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> that's long, that's long though. That's um, that's two hours and twenty minutes. No, no, I, I, no, I get that. It's just like because that movie is not great, and there's a lot of like plotting moments where it's just like, oh my god, what is happening here? It, it just seems that it runs on for way longer well, even than when, it actually Even is. when action is happening, it's like nonsensical. Some of it, you know, you're just yeah, exactly. watching. You're watching it's, things it's, happen. It's, yeah, if if this is two and a half hours, but it yeah, we lost you. And well, we lost her. Yeah, she's back. She's back. All right. <laughs> if it's if it's like well told and well paced, yeah, then the two and a half hours is gonna fly right by. Yeah, like 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 uh, three hours of this fucking piece of shit podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, this is not flying right by for listeners probably. All right. Yeah, exactly. This, yeah, fuck this episode. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Mark Hamill talked with the official Star Wars site and had some comments about the upcoming Star Wars The Last Jedi. It's a little revealing, I guess. Um, he said, on something like The Last Jedi, it's such a massive production. The complexity of it is just mind-boggling to me. And how Ryan Johnson stays so even-tempered and amiable. I, I never saw him lose his temper. I never heard him curse or, humil- or humiliate someone. You know, I've had directors that dress people down in front of the whole crew. I was so lucky to be able to have his guidance. Everyone says, oh, it must be so fun coming back to Star Wars. Yeah, it's fun, but it's also hugely intimidating and bordering on terrifying because it's just almost too high profile for comfort. Briggsy Bear is a little film about little people with big ideas. That's a movie that he did with uh, Kyle Mooney recently, Mark Hamill. Uh, anyway, he says, it's set in the suburbs. I mean, you can relate to it. With something like this, it's just a massive fantasy film. He goes on to say, I was on the set, and I'm not giving anything away because Ryan has already talked about a casino sequence. The set with 150 actors all dressed in prosthetics and puppetry and robots. That set alone could probably easily have financed 100 Brigsby Bears. It was easily one of the most opulent sets I've ever been on. I'm fascinated not just by the scenes I'm in. When I am when I had free time, I would go and observe all these different actors and all these different scenes. The amount of talent that is just unrecognized 
That's why the credits run for an hour and a half, because it takes thousands of people to successfully mount an epic of this size. So, uh, the, Oh, the credits run for 90 minutes. That explains a lot. Right, yeah. Um, the, the big takeaway from this, though, Jake, is the fact that it, it sounds like Mark Hamill's saying that he was on the Canto Bite set? That he yeah, I'm, Mark Hamill was probably just had, you know free card to come and visit and hang out whenever he wanted. Well, hold on. Let me, can I read this again then? Because like, yeah, yeah. please like, uh, he says, Ryan's already talked about the casino set. He says it was easily one of the most opulent sets I've ever been on. I'm fascinated, not just by the scenes I'm in. I'm fascinated, not by just the scenes I'm in. When I had free time, I would go and observe all these actors and all these different scenes. Wait, Jake, hold on. Can I let me explain this? Because like he filmed what we've seen from him on Michael Skellig in Ireland. Like this is a completely different set location. This is in Dubrovnik. Like if why would he even be there? That's my question. And it, it sounds like he may have had film scenes in Canto Bite. I don't know. Yeah, I, maybe, though. I mean, to me, even when you read it the second time, it even more sounded like he's just a big Star Wars fan and was checking out what was going on on this Canto Bite set. I guess. He says, I'm, I mean, maybe. I guess. I mean, okay. I, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's in this scene or not. I just think it's kind of – if he's going to be showing up on – I'm not saying he's showing up on Canto Bite. I'm not saying that – it's just weird. I don't think it, it I, I don't think we can count it out either. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. No, I don't think you can count it out. I think there's a possibility. It's safe it's, sa- it's, it's safer to say he's just gonna be on Oct two. It's safer to say that. Because that's all I know. And that's all he we've was seen. Visiting the set that day. Yeah. Well, take a flight to Dubrovnik just to check out what they're doing, I guess. I don't know. I guess. Meet meet John Boyega. I guess. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird. It is weird. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> what do you think, Rebecca? I mean, gosh, it's kind of like six of one, half a dozen of the other. It's like maybe he was just so – because he said in the beginning of the quote something about like it's so intimidating, but it's so like amazing to be back it seems like he's almost starstruck to be back playing this character in this universe. I, I don't see it beyond the scope of, of possibility that he kind of just wanted to go see this set or maybe he was invited, hey, come on down and for the day and, and see the set or whatever. Or maybe he shows up in Canto Bite. I mean, it's 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 a little bit uh, – it's it's not 100% clear. If I I know. I'm like – if I had to guess, like, if, if I'm being – if I had to guess, I'd say he was not going to show up in any Canto Bite scenes um, because it just – it doesn't make sense to me. Like, that's Finn and Rose and bb Eight story. Like, that's what they're doing. And yeah. they're there mm-hmm. to meet up with DJ and, you know, Maz Kanata sent him there. And sorry, my dog – is very protective of his pig ear treats, and if the cats get near it, he thinks that man. I don't know, Benny, you're silly. Um, but um, it doesn't make sense for him to be on Canto Bite at all. But 
guess we'll see. I guess we'll find out. Um, you know, it's weird. It's weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> that crazy Mike Hamill. Yeah. Uh, let's jump into some rumors for the Han Solo film. Uh, this all comes from Jason Ward over at MakingStarWars.net. Uh, he was talking about this, about how the the movie is, it basically starts off like American Graffiti, where it's Han and Kira, played by Amelia Clark. And I, I, we think that's her name because it wasn't it Woody Harrelson that, yeah, it was Woody Harrelson that in an interview, like, slipped her name. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then they just kind of confirmed it because he already did it anyway. Yeah, did, they, did StarWars.com come out and confirm that it was Kira? No, no, they didn't confirm. That's right. That's right. God, the Kira name again after episode seven. Yeah, yeah. Ray's original name was rumored to be Kira. And here we are finding out from Woody Harrelson that it's probably Amelia Clark as, as Kira. Anyway, um, the, the movie starts off basically kind of like American graffiti with Han and Kira and they, 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 they know each other. They might be in a relationship and Han is racing speeders. And there, that's confirmed. There have been, um, seen, like, shots. You can see, like, shots on set of these speeders. And they're, like, pulling these speeders along and doing these action sequences. So Han is, like, in it for the thrill. Like, he's racing and things like that. Then he joins the Imperial Army. Um, either because he gets in trouble and he has to, or for, like, other reasons. We don't know. Maybe he voluntarily joins. I doubt it, but we'll find out. He probably gets in trouble and has to serve, but it's not confirmed. And we also know that the Empire is in the film in at least, like, one form or another. Like, I'm not confirming fucking Vader, like, that hashtag show, Jake. I don't know. But we know that the Empire is in this movie, and it was confirmed by Ron Howard himself. He posted a picture on Twitter back in August of an Imperial control panel and a helmet resting on that panel and it said the Empire looms large, and that was from Ron Howard on the set of uh, Han Solo. And we also find out possibly some details on Tandy Newton's character in the film. Tandy Newton from she played Maeve on Westworld. If you don't know who the actress oh, yeah. is, I, I'm just telling I'm telling our listeners if they don't if you watched Westworld, she played Maeve. Her character could be an Imperial officer. So Ron Howard, he tweeted a photo of him and Tandy on the set, and she's wearing a red scarf, and it's to cover up what could be probably like a like the neckline of this um, of this officer's imperial officer's outfit that it looks like she's wearing, and he's got his arm around her, and he's like got his hand over a patch on the shoulder. Which like matches up to one of the Imperial Naval officers' shirts that they wear. It looks exactly like it. So she could be Tandy Newton could be playing an Imperial officer, probably a villain in the film. So the, this is the closest thing that we know to a an actual villain in in this film. So um, it's kind of kind of cool. So yeah, yeah um, it is neat. I, I hope we do. I'm excited about the Imperial factor in the Han Solo movie. And I, I think that's cool to add more um, females into it, you know, mm-hmm. female Imperial officers. Yeah. Maybe she could be the cool one, unlike uh, Captain Phasma. Yeah. yeah. I think Phasma's, Phasma's going to get some redemption in the next film. I really do. They, they've got plenty of time to give it to her. Uh, I've heard that, like, 
they give her an action sequence in this one. So, um, there's photos apparently. I don't, I haven't seen them online, but I think I don't quote me, but I think Jason Ward said that he's seen them. Don't quote me. I don't know, but it's of Han Solo and Beckett in their Imperial armor walking around and they're like happy. And Beckett is Woody Harrelson's character, but mm-hmm. they're, so they're like walking around in Imperial armor with other Imperial guards and they're just walking around like happy and shit. And then there's other pics of them in chains. So they're probably not posing as soldiers. They're probably legit Imperial soldiers at one time. But then they do something stupid. Like, and this is all speculation. But that's probably what gets Han sent to the salt mines of Kessel. It probably, whatever they do, it probably kills Beckett. Beckett probably dies here. Because, like, we know Beckett's not going to make it out of this movie. Because we never hear yeah, this yeah. character right. again. Like, you never hear of Beckett in, like, any other film. And... So he's probably going to die like halfway through the movie. And so like now they're sent to the salt mines of now Han is sent to the salt mines of Kessel. So I'm not sure if it's like Tandy Newton's character that's going to be involved in like catching him and sending him to the salt mines or if she's going to be like an Imperial officer at the salt mines that gives him a bunch of shit. I have no clue. But um, Beckett, uh, yeah, Beckett dies probably. Um, okay, Kessel. Let's talk about Kessel. This is where, of course, like Han is going to meet Chewbacca. So he's also a slave at the salt mines of Kessel. But I'm also hearing that Han meets other Wookiees. And the other Wookiees are more than likely Chewbacca's family. Oh no! From the holidays? <laughs> Not from the holiday special. No. <laughs> but I'm hearing that he's going to meet Chewbacca's family, and that that the life debt will come into play. Han frees Chewbacca and his family, and then makes you know Chewbacca makes the life debt with Han, and he makes it in front of his family. And basically, he's saying he won't return to he won't return to his family until Han is safe. So, you know, safe from like uh, Jabba the Hutt and like what's going on with that whole situation. So, um, this is all rumors, but I I think that's I think it's I think it's interesting. I don't understand like as long as Alden Ehrenreich can like nail this character, like this is all shit I want to see. <laughs> like I really want to see this stuff. Yeah, I agree. I hope I hope it's good. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It's just all going to be if we can believe this cat as fucking Harrison Ford. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think if as long as they give him storylines that seem true to Han's character and this kid can pull it off and we believe that he has that same attitude that Han has in the movies, I think I think it'll do really well. But that that what you were saying before about him being in in the um in in the imperial army but not from choice but maybe he did something and he has to serve or whatever mm-hmm. that seems very han like to me i i don't see han voluntarily joining the empire i see him being like backed in the corner and being like well if i got to do this then i'll do it just so yeah. i don't get killed or whatever yeah i think hmm. he, he does something like with these speeders and gets caught gets in trouble maybe he like 
crashes one of these speeders into like an imperial base or something like that, causes a bunch of damage, and they're like, well, you know, you really fucked up, and, you know, number one, you're doing like illegal, you know, speed racing or whatever the fuck, and now you gotta join the imperial army. I don't know. It could be anything. Right. A number of things get him in trouble. Somebody could get him in trouble. Somebody could sell him out. We don't know, but like he's in the imperial army. I don't see him voluntarily. I just have to cover my basis. Like, it's one of those things where, like, well, you said this, <laughs> like, yeah. and it turned out to be that. So I have to let people, like, know that I don't know one, one way or the other. And this is all rumors to begin with. So, um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. There, there's a lot that I'm, I'm excited about this movie that I, I do want to see. It, it all does come down to, like, can he, can he, can he do – the Harrison Ford Han Solo smirk. Can he like when he talks like when he's talking to Amelia Clark's character? Are, can we believe? Can we believe like this is a younger Han Solo? Can we see like flashes of like the way he would talk to Leia? Are we gonna get to see? Is Amelia Clark's character gonna fall for his bullshit? You know what I mean? Like I think that that would kind of be interesting to see to see him like you know to see another character kind of like. Like uh, enamored with his bullshit because like Leia was not impressed, even though you could tell like no. Leia was like yeah. thought he was an attractive man. But it would be kind of interesting to see a character not not challenge him, you know, romantically or, or maybe she's just falling for every stupid little thing he's doing. That would be kind of neat to kind of see that as well. Now we can understand like why he's got the ego he has when he does meet Princess Leia, but he's never met a woman like that before. A strong character like Princess Leia, you know, um, he's never met any woman like that before. Now we now we see a woman that's actually, you know, we see why he's got this ego. She's she's falling for his bullshit. I think that would be kind of cool, and we could look at the those Leia scenes a lot differently. Um, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, and like, you know, if yeah, Chewbacca's family, the Spice Mines of Kessel. Even getting to see like Corellia, his planet, live action for the first time. I can't, I can't wait for these things. So I'm really looking yeah, forward is, to this. This is the perfect movie for Easter eggs like that. I yeah. think even more so than like Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. I just don't need the Darth Vader cameo Easter egg. <laughs> oh, I, I really hope that they don't that they don't put Vader in this. I don't There's think really they will. no point. There's no point to put Vader in this movie. It would just be trying to capitalize on what a popular character and villain he is. I don't think I, they I will. Just, yeah, I, I hope not. I, that hashtag show, they 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 are wrong a lot. So I don't put any stock into that rumor. Jason Jason Ward from makingstarwars.net wouldn't confirm it either. Like he heard mm -hmm. that you know, I can't remember exactly. I don't want to misquote him, but anyway, I he he's not saying yes or no one way or the other, but he hasn't heard, and like he doesn't like to confirm anything unless he he's heard it from multiple sources and he knows for a fact like it's going to show up in the movie. So we'll see. Um, I I don't know. I'm done. Are you guys done? I'm done. I'm out. Yeah, let's eat. Yeah. All right. Rebecca, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining us. I know this episode oh, sucks, but me. you you were you were fantastic. <laughs> even though this episode sucks, thank you yeah, so it, much it for having your me. Fault. It was fun. <laughs> no, it probably was. No, right. you guys know why it sucked, and I talked about that before we started. So, yeah, it's my fault. <laughs> it really is. It really is my fault. All right. No, but thank you so much, uh, Rebecca. If people want more of you, and they forgot from the beginning of the episode, where can they find you? 
You can find me on the Animated Backcast. That's a uh, review show where we review every episode of the 1992 Batman the Animated Series show. Uh, Brian, you've been on with us. Jake's been on with us. Um, kind of. Sort of. Uh, <laughs> sort of been on with us. Uh, we're having a blast over there, me and Paul, doing those episodes. We're also doing a crossover with the Comic Cast, uh, Dark Knight's Metal with the Comic Cast and the Animated Backcast, where we review the Dark Knight's Metal comic series uh, being written by uh, Capullo and Snyder. Uh, let's see what else. And then, of course, it's uh, my our new podcast, again, with Paul. We come in peace, live long, and discover. Our, our first episode is available right now on iTunes, where we talk about episode one. Um, episode two will be recording shortly, along with episode three. Um, what's really neat is I'm a huge Trek fan, as you guys know, and Paul uh, knows very little about Trek. So it's really neat, because we have two really different perspectives on the show. And uh, finally, if you're part of the Leftover Army, you can hear me on Ladies of the Leftover Army, which uh, is a podcast that comes out through the Leftover Army page. And um, we talk about different uh, issues as, re- as they relate to women or movies directed by women, um, all kinds of good stuff like that. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah, so there's tons of stuff to listen out there, people. Tons of stuff. To- and remember, check out Nerd Porn. Uh, Jake, if people want me, more of me and you, uh, we actually are doing a Survivor podcast now. Yeah, there we go. It's, um, the pod has spoken. Is that what, what the name is? Yeah, I don't think it, I don't think iTunes has even approved it yet. Like, it was, we were gonna do this on bumpers, but things have changed, and we're just gonna throw it up on iTunes. So, um, yeah, I Michelle said, is joining us on that as well? Yes, Michelle is gonna be on the show with us. So, yeah, actually, you and Michelle are hosting this fucking thing. I'm just kind of, like, there for the ride. Like, you guys are, like, the fucking survivor gurus and shit. And I'm just kind of there as the casual fan, letting people know what I thought about the episodes. But, um, yeah. Um, oh, I hear you. I'm ready to hand the reins over to Michelle and just let her host the damn thing. I can't even remember the name of the three tribes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Healers, hustlers. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun. I've always wanted to talk about Survivor on a podcast, and yeah. it's been a good time so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's called The Pot Has Spoken. There's another podcast called The Pot Has Spoken, but um, they haven't recorded an episode in like a year and a half. And uh, if you so if you download it and you hear some like Australian guys talking, that's not us. That's the other one. <laughs> All right. So just delete that one and subscribe to the other one. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, and, and you know you're getting that CBS All Access subscription to watch these new episodes of Star Trek. This new season of Survivors on there too, so watch along and check out our podcast. There you go. There's a lot of assuming there that people are subscribing to CBS All Access, Jake. People should subscribe to CBS All Access. <laughs> yeah, nobody agrees with you right now, Jake. Like zero people are agreeing with you because they I don't, don't care. I know they don't want to pay, man. I honestly, I feel like so far from what I've seen from this new Star Trek show. You know, it's worth it's worth the six bucks so far for me, you know. So yeah, I don't know. People should torn a little bit less and uh, put some buck up every now and again for these things you like. I see lots of complaining about whether or not things are going to make it, but hard hardly little pain for entertainment these days. All right, that's all we got. I'm done. <laughs> I you know, God, I'm sorry. It's my fault. This episode is a pile of shit. You know, it's like I I. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm making bad decisions today. Good decisions, but bad decisions, right? 
Yeah, you just need to make like Kevorkian though and pull the plug on this shit. Alright, they were done. It's just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm rambling. It's just like all good leftovers saying the doggy, listen, they fuck you, Jake. It's just like, <laughs> you can't let it slide. Alright, and fuck you too, Trekkie 1981, you fucking piece of shit. Oh, yeah, if you're still listening. Of Trekkie 81. I'm gonna chastise you, you fuck. Yeah, you, you reminded me of Trekkie 1981, Jake. That's where you took yeah. it. Now, um, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks again, Rebecca. Thank you. Thank, thank you. See ya. Thanks, Mike. Later. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Clean it. Race it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushed over. Pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and give a shout of crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the poor kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and do we love it? Hey, let's race it, hey, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture push over. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.